for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to our third edition of Grinder Stories from Elk Camp, where we talk with everyday elk hunters just like you from all over the U.S. about their elk hunts. All of the learning moments, the ups, the downs, the steps, the realizations with a bunch of hows and whys, helping you to learn from both their successes and their mistakes. On this edition, we welcome Mr. Craig Klein from Farmer, Minnesota, population 64. Craig has an incredible story that begun three years prior in the mountains of Montana, where he still describes the experience as a real punch in the mouth. Well, brother, don't worry. We've all been there. Three years later, and now two seasons of learning under their belt, Craig and his buddy are in Colorado, OTC, and this time with a string of llamas in tow and ready for an adventure. Will the third time be the charm? Well, y'all, let's just find out. That discussion, some Elk Bros shout-outs, and questions from our awesome Elk Bros mailbox. So, my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkBros.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and Elk Hunting Coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, 
Glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for our blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And that's right, we're waiting on Manano and Luis, the Venezuelan mafia, to show up. But we have the legend himself, the real cowboy, Mr. R.C. Knox is in the house from Cuesta, New Mexico. And from Cimarron, New Mexico, we've got our elk hunting coaches in the house. That's right. We've got the ninja, Leroy Chavez. And WWJGD, what would Joe Gillia do? He is in the house, teed up and ready to go. But joining us from Ed Elk Camp today, let's give a warm Elk Bros welcome tonight to our first guest, all the way from Farming, Minnesota, Mr. Craig Klein. Hey, guys. Hey. 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 How you doing tonight, brother? We're doing great. We're doing great. Yeah, glad to be here. Welcome, brother. <laughs> Welcome, man. We're just glad to have you, buddy. And, I, you know, I love it when these guys show up, man. And, I, it, you know, it's like Luis, when Luis, we started first recording. And Luis ain't going to make it. Luis just sent me a text going, you know, I just got in from work and I got to put the girls to bed. And, oh, man, try oh, me a river, right? Man. <laughs> but he came in, he, he had that, he had the camera turned so you could see all the animals up on the wall back there. Yeah. Right? You know? yeah. But look at this guy. This guy's got it going on. He, Craig's got, you can see one, two, three. This is a archery man's den right here, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I got my, my paper tuner, my bowl press, my draw board. I've got pretty much everything, arrow saw, everything I need down here. Oh, that's awesome, dude. That's pretty cool. I think before we got on, before we actually started recording, you were saying though, that you, you have, you know, history as far as working in pro shops, right? Yeah. I started working in a pro shop when I was like 14 or 15 years old. And, uh, it was actually a sporting goods store, and I, I worked in the archery department, I should say, and uh, kind of managed the archery department. And then uh, my first year of college, I actually managed a, one of the – probably I think it is the biggest archery store in Minnesota, and I managed that for, I think, three or four years. Is that at, Craig? Uh, uh, it's Archery Country in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and okay. now they have, uh, they have three locations now. So, And then uh, they uh, – they're involved with archery 365 and uh yeah they they've grown immensely actually i just just talked with the owner the other day stopped in there and talked to him again so you said the name of it was uh, archery country archery country yep so would you say that they are really grinder approved i would definitely say that yeah Yeah, Yeah, they do they they do a good job you know it's hard for uh when a company grows, it's, it's really hard to provide that pro shop type service. And I think they've done about as good of a job as large as they are, as good of a job as you can do. Cause Great, uh, brother. Yep. It, it gets, it gets hard when you get big, you know, and, yep. uh, and they've got, they've gotten pretty big. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think what I've, what I've heard from a lot of people when they go into archery shops, they just feel so intimidated that, it's not a good experience for them. They feel like people kind of talk down to them or, you know, uh, make them feel like, you know, lesser than because they don't have all the knowledge. And, I, and we're, we're real fortunate in Albuquerque. We have a archery shop there, hit or miss, and they're just fantastic, man. They, they, they bring tons of people in and they educate them, they get them set up. And, you know, those guys are really great. So a shout out to them and, 
you know, you were, I think I had mentioned to you that I have a buddy up, uh, Don Primley up there, uh, north of St. Cloud. And, uh, I think you said you might've even worked on his bow. Huh? The name sounds so familiar. Yeah. I, the first time I heard you mention his name on a podcast is like, gal, I think I might've met him before. So yeah, that, that was kind of funny. Well, you'd remember <laughs> him. He's, I mean, this guy's ugly. You'd definitely remember <laughs> His wife, I mean, his, his wife keeps him in the game because she's just as <laughs> possible, man. So <laughs> that's uh, awesome, man. So t- farming, yeah. Minnesota, um, yeah. population 64, born, raised there? Yeah, I was born and raised in a little town six miles uh, southeast of here. Um, yeah, in Richmond, Minnesota, which is just another small town, but, uh, grew up on a little farm out there. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm, you know, if you want the whole, my whole life story, I've, <laughs> after the, 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 I don't know how much you want to get into well, that. I, I, yeah, I want I to hear a little bit about you, man. Yeah. Well, like I said, grew up on a little farm, uh, went to college. I always had a job since I was 13 years old. I've had a job. Um, but, uh, yeah, I worked construction for a while, but shortly out of college, I, I started a masonry company and I did that for seven years and I took on a business partner, ended up selling that company and buying a dog training business. And that's what I currently do. So hmm. I uh, primarily, primarily train hunting dogs. Is oh, that's awesome, now. man. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then I got a little boarding, boarding business and then I also have a hunting preserve. So so yeah, it's, what, uh, oh, wow. you, what shock was it for you when you started heading towards elk country? What was the biggest shock for you? You know, I had never been West. Well, I take that back. Yes, I had been. Um, but it was all dog related. Everything was I travel running field trials and stuff like that. So I thought that that was my travels to the, to the Western States the first time. But, uh, when I was actually going out hunting, I mean, I mean, just like everybody says, you get out there and everything's way bigger than you expect way bigger, you know, and that, that was a shock. And I tried to have myself prepared for that because I, when I knew I was going elk hunting, I jumped in and I tried to research things as much as I could. And I, I heard that it's going to be overwhelming when you get there. And so I was kind of ready for that, but it's still, <laughs> you, you're just not ready for it the first time. And, uh, even now, sometimes when you pull into a spot, you're like, Oh boy, that was not quite what I thought it was yeah. going to be, you know? And yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just something people got to be ready for, you know, and just, just know it's going to be a, look a little overwhelming and be ready for it. And just know that, Hey, it's, you, you, you walk and walk, you'll get there. <laughs> yeah. That's that, you know, we've had the pleasure of actually going to Minnesota. So, uh, Oh, look oh, you here. Oh, <laughs> look you here. Yeah. Look who just dropped in. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, man, we, we were. Couldn't uh, take it. We Mr. Were... Klein, just please know that the only reason I'm joining is to meet you. Okay. <laughs> I don't have any interest in hanging out with these guys who don't recognize me as the true leader of the Venezuelan mob. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now wait a second, Louise. I guess, I guess you have not listened to Gilbert on the uh, 
Western he contour. He has not heard podcast. my Western yeah. contest. He I haven't yet, but I did tell Manano. I said, Manano, I, I, I've downloaded the, the podcast and I need to listen to it because I really want to hear Beto Unleashed. <clears throat> well, okay. Then. <laughs> Look, I was, I was pretty subdued, man, but guy makes it very apparent that I could do whatever I wanted and go wherever I wanted, right? Hey, so, we're just so handcuffed around here, man. It's not right. <laughs> Look, and I, and I tried to, you know, we got a brand and it's a family brand, so I tried to leave it at that, man. What um, I want you to know, man, is he does say something about the leader and you come on here dogging him and i'm like really man you better wait till you listen because yeah yeah, yeah he- look man i love my venezuelan <laughs> brothers like crops love rain son so yeah I, and i love to give him a hard time too and i've been poking him since joe said he wasn't coming in so i promise you yeah oh, hey, we, yeah we we were poking hey we're glad you're here man and yeah. and and we're we want you to meet greg klein out of farming minnesota yes, um He's from uh, a metropolis of 64 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's hey, from Luis. a smaller town than you Ooh. and Manano are from, brother. Uh, well, no traffic light? Yeah. One traffic <laughs> no, light. No, no. We got, a, we got a bar and a church. That's it. <laughs> wow. Is it a Baptist church? Which came first? No, it's, a, it's, it's a Catholic church. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> well, I guarantee you the bar did. And after they had so many drunks, they said, we better get us a church here to that's right. help all these healing yeah. people. And the hey. funny thing is after after Friday night mass, half the people end up at the bar. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. we Catholics <laughs> like to throw down, man. We we yeah. love all our Catholic friends. Yeah, that's, <laughs> and uh it we are so excited to have you, Craig. And and for people listening, man, Craig came on with us before we actually started recording. Luis has just come on to the show just now. Um, RC keeps appearing and disappearing, and and that's because <laughs> he's you know, he's still in witness protection. So there's, <laughs> there's only so much of his face that we can show. Up. Well, I yeah, think, he's got, okay. I think he's got some horses gnawing on his feet, man. <laughs> I might have to move. What, what, what we want to do so that we can actually get moving the show along is, you know, um, we've we always have the the mailbox we do our elk bros mailbox towards the end of Mm -hmm. our show and since we have our guests on like this man we get into these stories and we just haven't i mean we were we've been two hours every time so we don't get to those mailboxes and we wanted i wanted to make sure that we hit one of these mailboxes right away because i want craig i want you to be involved with this because you know especially somebody that basically you have three years of elk hunting under your belt right yeah Yep, exactly. How much hunting, though, how much hunting, uh, Mr. Klein, how much hunting have you done throughout your life, like woodsmanship? He's a whitetail hunter, I bet, if he's up in Minnesota, man. My my mom said I came out of the womb hunting. Yeah. (laughs) You're like me, brother. Yeah. Yep. And and really, my dad hunted a little bit. I came out. Yeah. I was hunting chipmunks and I mean, you name it. Yeah. I was trying to catch it Me or too. kill it when I was, when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> awesome, brother. Yeah. So, I mean, you got that background, but you only have that, you know, you, it's real early in your elk hunting career, which yeah. is really something that's going to help you to relate to this. So, um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and hit this elk bros, uh, mailbox question. And then if we have time for the other one at the end, we'll hit that one. But sure. this is from Timothy Jackson from Michigan. And um, 
he said that he's hoping to get some advice. He says he's hunted elk twice now and pretty much just hiked with his bow for seven days the first time. And he got so frustrated the second time he went out <laughs> that he gave up on day five. He says he doesn't know how to call. And he says when he did see elk, the few times that he saw them, it was just a rear end running away. So his question is this. Should I give up on hunting elk on my own or do I need to hire a guide? What would you do in my case? And, you know, I'm going to put our guests on the spot right now, man. And uh, I, I want to hear what you would tell him, Craig, because you've, you've got three years under your belt. Me personally, I would say learn to call. I mean, there's so many resources out there now that I think just about anybody should be able to get to the point where they can do some basic elk calls. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I've had experienced turkey calling and I used to blow in waterfall contests, but even my buddies, I mean, I've, I've, it doesn't take that long and it, it does take some work and take some practice, but I don't think it's beyond what the average person can do. I mean, uh, so I would say learn to call, but, but I, I wouldn't say don't go with a guide either. I think your first time. You can learn a lot from a guide also. So a I lot. guess there's different ways of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, hey, you know, it's not, it's really, you know, it can be challenging at the beginning, but it's really not that hard. Even my nano is learning. I mean, so imagine how. I'm talking about calling, not hunting elk, right? <laughs> yeah, calling, calling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just calling. Look, I, I'm going to be real honest with you. And, you know, uh, Mr. Jackson, if you have the, fiduciary means have the what wow here we go here we go here we go is this the word of the day Uh, he he got up this morning again and googled it up and oh my god man it's just why'd you do this beto man it's just like i I need there's gotta be an app it's an app that he's got and it's like it tells him the word of the day and then it tells him it tells him the meaning too so he can then sounds like what is that you know you tell him what is that and he goes well and he gives you the exact description that the app gives him you know it's like so tell us what is fiduciary that's money responsibility money right so you have the money uh, if you uh, have oh, the means within see how much easier that was, bro. Uh, yeah. If you have the money or the food fiduciary uh, means to uh, to pay for a guide, and we don't know where he's hunting either, Joe. I'd really like to know where he's hunting. Is he hunting in New Mexico? Uh, you know, drawing out. Is he hunting in public land? OTC in Colorado, mm-hmm. wherever Mr. Jackson's hunting, we'd like to know so we could give a better. You just attention. don't know what you get. Yeah. But, but there's something that, you know, Guy and I touched on it on our on his podcast uh, a couple of days ago, and he asked why I went that route, why I didn't just dive in by myself and go elk hunting. And I, number one, I didn't have the time to prepare, okay, and or the uh, – actually, or the knowledge uh, of where to go look to prepare, okay, yeah. Now that I'm in in the yeah, but then also back then, way back then, the 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 resources probably weren't there. Yeah, we didn't have internet. Yeah. We didn't have we exactly. didn't have cell phones. Yeah. I mean, it look it it has really changed, man. I mean, just has. look at the last yes. five years. Two years. Yes, yes. yes. I, I said it jokingly, but in a way, yeah, I mean true, it too true, because true if you words look at may the never last, been spoken yeah. for sure. So there's so much more content out there. I mean. Look, I'm not just pump, you know, 
pimping our brand. But brother, if you hadn't been to our base camp, you're missing out, right? I mean, it is chock full of some of the very best hundreds of years of knowledge of elk hunting knowledge that's out there that we're giving that content to you for a very small price, right? And there's just so many other out avenues out there. Lots of podcasts, you know, Western Contours, Paul Medell, us. I mean, there's just so much more out there. But for me, the guided thing was better because I didn't have the time to invest in all of or the or really the 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 social capital to invest either of of gaining all the knowledge that you need to be in the Elkwoods. Because listen. The fiduciary was there. Yeah, the fiduciary part, we had it covered. (laughs) But Mr. Klein will tell you that he's been hunting, you know, jackrabbits since he popped out of the womb. But this is a different type of hunting, right? And it takes a different type of skill set to be able to be successful. There's a reason why there's a 10%, right, that that heads out west. And, you know, when they talk about 10%, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what guy mentioned earlier today too you start knocking that down i mean you take really there's (laughs) there's a group of those people that are killing 90 percent of the elk every year you know that are the same people year after year so those percentages drop down a whole lot more than that you know look look at your percentage i mean you add to that percentage number huge right yeah Uh, i'm starting on a mini streak myself so i mean that, I mean, you, you, you've already killed more elk than most people will kill in a lifetime, man. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so well, and I've, I've been part Chris. of, yeah, and you, I've been part of other hunts too. You know, I, I brought I brought brought twelve to fifteen clients every year to Mister Gamage, and so I would be on those hunts. So not only was I was I learning so much while I was on those hunts with some of the very best guides in the world. One of them is right down there in our screen. His name is RC Knox. I mean, these guys were the very best at number one, knowing the country, number two, knowing the quarry, number three, being able to call. These guys were the very best. That but if I got you could to, go to back again, bro, with what you know right now, would yeah, you have done different? everything the same way? With what yeah. I know now? Well, yeah. Uh, well, no, well, no, not with, not, I mean, no, as I'd have never changed. As, I wouldn't have the, changed a thing, Joe. With I'd the resources stayed. that we have today, let's put it that way with the resources that are out there today. Now you were in a situation, like you said, you know, it was going to be your 40th birthday. You were a little old baby, right? And uh, it's going to be your 40th birthday. And so you were like, um, you know, I want to go out hunting. Your birthday was going to happen right there. I mean, it happens right in yeah. the elk hunt, right? We were, we were on the hunt. Yeah. So it's not like you had a whole lot of time to get ready for this, right? Didn't but now listen, but let's take a look at Tim here, man. Right. Tim has been out twice, you know, <laughs> and, and when we take a look at Craig, Craig, we're not going to talk about this hunt yet because that story's yet to come, but you've been out two years prior to that where you were not successful, correct? Correct. Yeah. And and so you had a lot of lessons learned, a lot of things there. Um, You probably at at some point in time, and that did a lot of hiking with your boat at some times, you know, on certain days. Absolutely. There's some days we do a lot of hiking with our boats. Absolutely, man. That's part of elk hunting, man. Yeah. I mean, so was there a time, Craig, that you were like, maybe I need to get a guide? I'll be honest. It never crossed my mind. Um, I'm stubborn as hell. (laughs) Mm. And, uh, when I make up my mind, I'm going to do something. It's 
either I'm probably going to die trying or it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, well, you're a problem, uh, man. You knew exactly yeah, and, what you wanted. Yeah. And I, and I, I take a lot of pride in doing something myself. <laughs> um, I have nothing against guides. I have been on guided hunts. Um, and I have nothing against them, but I, I, I take a certain amount of pride in just doing stuff myself, you know. Yeah. And, when I, they cut your know. learning curve down too, man. I mean, oh, at, the I, end of the, yeah. at the end of the day, they their experienced callers, they know the land if, much better than you do. If and they if are you, that type of guy. Yeah. I mean, well, they're yeah. So you gotta do your homework. But if you don't do your well, homework <laughs> and do what Craig did, and obviously oh. what Mr. Jackson's done, if you don't do your homework, you're gonna be unsuccessful there too. Yeah, so I mean, it I really think, really takes what, you doing your homework. I think what what Joe is saying too about the type of guide is yeah. the guy that is willing to teach you instead of just simply just Point telling you. you. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, there's a difference in that, but if you can't learn while you're on a guided trip, you you uh, you're not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying with that as well. I agree. I, mean, I agree. There's always something, but you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of nuances that you can get out of something that most people, yeah, you're going to see what that guy does in there, but you're not seeing all that information that went around him that made that led to those decisions that he's making. And some of those teaching guides will, you know, point that stuff out to you and give you those nuances well, and things that. I think we, I think we've run into a deal also where. Uh, we had a person come, make a comment that he uh, he felt well. When's this guy going to do this? And when's this guy going to do that? And when you know? And he was like, I, I don't understand this. You know what what's happening? Well, what had happened is the hunter had gone through our academy and, <laughs> and learned yeah. a bunch of stuff yeah. that the guy didn't know. Yeah. So I mean. So that's that's a, a, a deal there too. So sure, and, and you know, guy and I talked about it as well. That you know, just because you go on a guided hunt doesn't necessarily mean that that guy's got more experience than you. You know, you don't know what his background is. So those mm-hmm. are things that you want to do when you're discussing with outfitters that you know what what their guide you know experience level is. Uh, and look, I've said this a thousand times. No matter what you pay, the money's relevant. Okay. I mean, if you're going to pay it, you know, a guy $300 a day or $400 a day to come do a job, you're not paying him $300, $400 a day for that day. You're just not. Okay. Cause when I, when I give softball lessons, they're $50 for 30 minutes. They're not paying me for that 50. They're not paying me $50 for that 30 minutes. They're paying me $50 for the 30 years that I put in to learn how to teach their daughter in 30 minutes what they could in their whole life. And that's the same thing with those guys. You're not paying them $300 a day for their day. You're paying them for the 15 or 20 years that they've put in to understand the quarry, the area, all of those other things to make your hunt a lot more enjoyable. And I'm not saying all of them are like that, but I'm saying if you do your homework and find a really good place to hunt, it's reputable, got really good guys, you should have as a hunter, you what you're looking for when you go elk hunting are opportunities, right? The opportunity to harvest an elk, right? And if he if he does that or you do that when you're in the woods, that's a that's a hunt, man. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's a successful hunt. Look, I want to answer your question, Tim, directly at some of the things that I'm seeing here. And what I'm seeing is is you went on two hunts totally unprepared. And, and that is frustrating, you know, for you to go someplace and, 
and I don't care what state you go to, I don't care if it's Utah, Washington, Idaho, New Mexico, you get out there and in that country, it's big country. And if you do not have a clue, you know, you walk into a house and, and all the hallways, it looks like a star and all the hallways are all going around and you have uh, no idea where the kitchen, which direction the kitchen is. Spend all day. Go hungry, man. Yeah. And you know, you're going to be doing a lot of searching through that maze, trying to figure out what to do. And so what I would tell you is this, my answer to your question is if you are not wanting to put that kind of time into learning how to call, if yeah. you're not wanting to learn how to learn about the nuances and the behaviors of the animal and better yourself in that position of it, if you just want to be a great archer and make great shots and have somebody put you in an opportunity, then the guide is your thing. If you're willing and you want to do that where you are learning that so that you can use that skill set year after year after year and build on that, then I tell you, man, go and learn, get after yeah. it and learn. It depends on you your personality, and what kind of work you want to put into this for your end goal. You know, like Gilbert said, if you just have in mind that you want to kill an elk, that's your end goal, and you want that opportunity without putting all that time and effort and work and gear and all that stuff into it, then I would, I'd start saving my money <laughs> because yeah. that's what you're wanting to There's do. There's a lot of good outfitters out there, but if you there want are. to learn how to do it yourself, it takes you being prepared. Number one, get to our base camp, man. Get in it and, and start learning how to make elk sounds, right? Start learning how to call elk. Start learn, learning the quarry that you're hunting. And then, man, by, above all else, he said, you know, the, the times he did see elk, he saw them running away. I guarantee you most of that's probably because he's not playing the wind right, right? I mean, at the or he's you know, just busting in there, not thinking elk are going to be around, whatever it may be. But yeah. man, the biggest things in the world, knowing where they're going to be as far as, you know, where their feed is and where their transitional areas understanding are. Understanding elk behavior. Man. Elk behavior. That's right. And then understanding being able to make an elk sound, you know, yep. and learning how to get a wind snuffer bottle out and don't go the same direction as the, the chalk's moving. And, and really, it. you can learn some basic learn some basics and get in help man yeah so oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. so uh i hope uh, that helped mr jackson i i hope it helps him i hope it helps a lot of people because bottom line is is you know when as coaches people come to us and they think we're going to make them state champions and uh, we used to tell them there is no magic wand it's work and either you're going to put the work in or you're going to pay somebody else's put the work in the message the message is you can do it yeah, and, and Mr. Jackson, if you, again, if we've answered your question, great. If not, if you still want to clarify anything, please touch us at info at elkbros.com, and we'll get right back to you, brother. I was just going to say that getting a, a guide doesn't guarantee anything because uh, for every good guide, there's a bad guide. So you've got to do your research, get references. You know, it's not that easy. It does guarantee it does guarantee one thing and this that you're gonna be paying somebody else your yeah. money. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Guys, you know what time it is. It's time for shout our Elbro shout-outs. Shout out. If you're new shout to our show, out. this is just a shout out to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week, Joe. And guys, first we're gonna thank these folks or any of the folks that have been giving us such incredible reviews on op Apple podcasts or iTunes. And we had, this is the first review that we've had since like October 16th. And here's what's wow. so cool about this. 
Look, big shout out to Brian from Littleton, Colorado, because uh, Brian said that he has learned more from our show and our base camp course than his previous seven years in the field. Sweet. And, you know, Brian, I sure hope you're listening because you left this review on November 29th and uh, which was kind of a special day for me. I was sitting at a poker table <laughs> playing poker because I do that every year on my birthday. Uh, you actually gave us this review on my birthday, and I got so many generous gifts and well wishes from so many awesome people um, that I'm going to give something back in return, man. So, Brian, I know you already have the base camp there, but I want you to get back with me and we're going to gift somebody, one of your partners, uh, one of your own kids, a friend, neighbor, anybody you want to. We're going to make sure that they have a one year subscription to our base camp, bud. So uh, happy birthday to them. All right. That is way cool. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe yeah. I got to tell you, my birthday was yesterday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday. That's awesome. Happy, happy birthday, birthday Mitch Klein. Thanks. On, on the happy 30th, birthday. huh? Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's awesome, man. Oh, we're, we're right there, man. You're a Sag, too. No wonder you like to shoot that bow. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's awesome, man. All right, Chav, let's get it started. Okay, uh, this top listening city is located in a fertile Midwestern prairie farm belt, but is close to the timberline to the south. The town is the site of the fourth uh, presidential Lincoln-Douglas debate in 1858, and both men spend the night here. This was General Ulysses S. Grant's first post during the Civil War while commanding the 21st Illinois Infantry. In 1917, they experienced a terrible disaster. An F-5 tornado killed 101 wow. people and injured another 638, making it Illinois' third worst tornado disaster in its history. And this is in Matton, Illinois. Matton, Illinois. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think there's a double O on that one. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Mattoon. It's Mattoon, Illinois, actually. Mattoon, Illinois. Kind of kind of crazy in Spanish, Maton, which M-A-T-O-N <laughs> oh, yeah. means killer. Yeah. Yeah. Killer. Man, I, you know, you, you hear all that history, and then, you know, for people to have, have suffered through something like that, man, is, you know, that, that's a tough deal. So uh, that was in 1917, just uh, – it's been over a hundred years that hopefully they have never, will never have another thing like that again. This city, Joe, is located on the west side of the Sierra Nevada mountain range in California's gold country. An estimated 125 million ounces of gold were extracted from the nearby mountains. French gold miners settled here in 1848 and established a mining camp mm -hmm. that evolved into a town. A group of miners from New York named the town after their own hometown in New York. It's it's a home to most challenging and historic endurance sports event in the world, the prestigious 100-mile Western States Trial Running Race in none other than Auburn, California. Auburn, California. Just northeast of Sacktown. Trail running race. Man, Chav, do you know about that? Uh, I've heard of it, but that's about it. 
there, there's a lot of that. I've heard that there's more. That's that ultra marathon type. Ultra stuff. marathon runners, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're crazy. They're crazy. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of miles. A hundred miles running. You know, I yeah. hear about guys biking a hundred miles, but holy Toledo, man, running a hundred miles is. I will say that running on, on a trail, a mountain trail is easier than running on a road. You know, right. the, the miles just click by real quick. You know, on the road, it's, it's killer. But I, yeah. I, I can see the trail running as being a, easier <laughs> if there's and such you, a thing you introduce hey. a grizzly bear i bet it goes by a lot yeah <laughs> or ends quick <laughs> hey i just i just want to understand rc you're making sure you're showing us all the different parts of your house like <laughs> it's, you're just showcasing are you planning on selling your home or what's yeah, the deal yeah how do you like this yeah, okay. let, let me see if all i can right. find another room here right. just uh, doing some sort of virtual reality type of like propaganda so, to sell the house uh, yeah. Oh, yeah the ranch house of cuesta oh, real estate version here we go yeah. <laughs> please cheer up man Hi, uh, this unincorporated village in northern Arizona is located in Verda Valley and is surrounded by national forests and, and state land. Top tourist attractions include the National Monument of Montezuma's Castle and Montezuma's Well, as well as uh, the Wet Beaver Creek area in the famous Bell Trail. Over one million gallons of water flow into the well on a daily basis. The village has very few amenities and is a place where peaceful rural living is the biggest draw. Rimrock, Arizona. Rimrock, Arizona, in the house. All Thank right. you guys, man, for being our listeners out there. And I, I, let me tell you what, uh, over 1 million gallons of water flow into the well. On that's a uh, that's, uh, on a daily basis. That's crazy. Yeah, it just kind of shows you, man, when we talk about God and God's plan, uh, man, you have a place like Arizona, but this here we have this area that gets a million gallons of water flowing into it. That's <laughs> it's amazing how that provides just like that. Definitely. I imagine, I imagine that was a, a, a place well visited back in the day. <laughs> I would think so. I would think so. Joe, next up, this city is known as the gateway to the Delta and was named by the French explorer Robert LaSalle in 1682 during the civil war the confederates built an ironclad css built the ironclad css arkansas here the ironclad patrolled the mississippi and challenged the human navy for control of the mississippi delta and delayed the eventual fall of nearby vicksburg famous country comedian oh jerry clower spent over 30 years here as a resident Mo many of his most memorable skits mention this town of Yazoo, Mississippi. Yazoo, oh, <laughs> Yazoo. Yazoo <laughs> Mississippi. Oh, dude, I was so pumped because as a kid, man, uh, Jerry Clower was on those tapes that we used to listen to absolutely as a kid, and and i mean uh, we knew the whole ledbetter family ardell yeah. burnell raynell wl i now odell marcel new gene claude and Clovis. <laughs> exactly <laughs> all the ledbetters all of the ledbetters. Oh. you hear me 
and cousin Eugene, right? Cousin yeah. Eugene, that's um, right. Eugene. I'm way too young to understand. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, so, you got to find some of that Jerry Clower humor now. Oh, set man. you free, son. <laughs> Loved Jerry Clower, man. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, the stories that he told, what was so funny is when you are from the backwoods. Yes. And you listen it to Jerry home. Clower, and everybody's, ah, ha, ha. You're like, well, what's so funny about a rat killing? well that's how you hunt coon why is everybody exactly like, yeah know? hey real quick i i wonder where rc is gonna pop up next <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna pop up mounted on a horse <laughs> in his kitchen <laughs> i think he i think he's still listening but i think he's moving yeah, yeah i can hear yeah, you yeah, yeah, i'm, I'm still hear. I'm still here, but you can't see me. Hey, RC, man, if you're in the bathroom, we don't want to see that. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Turn your sound off, dude. That's right. Hey, guys, before I do mine here, um, Craig, when we do this whenever we have a guest, man, here's the opportunity for you to give that shout out. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Farming Minnesota. And uh, I guess if I had to pick something that the town is known for, it's probably its amateur baseball team. Oh, uh, we've got a, yeah, it's pretty cool. We've got a very competitive amateur baseball uh, league in Stearns County, which is the county we live in. And it's, it's a state sanctioned league also. But uh, all these little towns around here have these gorgeous baseball parks and so our town of 64 has a a baseball park you'd expect to see in a big city without a doubt really? so wow that's yeah. cool man yeah and i played for 22 years so oh really yeah yep <laughs> so oh, were, were, were you a better hunter or a better baseball player <laughs> yeah no one's gonna see that on a podcast but yeah I, oh boy i don't know i'd have to that, that's a tough one. Oh, they'll see it brother they got youtube well let me tell you man if you played for 22 years man you were cranking because i mean yeah. that uh that's a lot of years that's a lot of years to be in yep. you know yeah i so loved it i loved it me too uh, brother yeah, that's awesome yeah. so last but not least for me this city is known for great hunting and beautiful waterways the city got its name from the many ledges of coquina rock that lined the indian river early industry here was based on the citrus trade Local businesses now focus on technology and aerospace, especially those related to nearby Kennedy Space Center and Cape Canaveral. I guess you know which state we're in right now, y'all. The city's motto is preserving the past, planning the future. And here was what, you know, it's so funny. We hear all this stuff about technology, aerospace, but this was the part that really got me, man. Buddy Epson of the Beverly Hillbilly wow. had a dance studio Right here, come on, Rockledge, Florida, man. Rockledge, Rock Florida, in the house. Yep, Buddy Ebsen, man. Buddy Ebsen. from from the very far west coast to the east coast, man. Yep, and Buddy Ebsen, man. You guys, you know, everybody thinks Buddy Ebsen and Beverly Hillbillies, and uh, what was the name of the detective show that he had as well? Uh, yeah, Jeep. Uh, with, uh, yeah, I man. can't remember that right offhand, man. Wasn't Quincy? Was it? No, that no. Was Jack Klugman. Yeah, Jack Klugman there. But, you know, what most people don't know is 
Buddy Epson, <laughs> it's funny how things happen. Buddy Epson was supposed to be, he was hired and filmed the first nine days as the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Really? Right. Yeah, because this guy was a dancer, man. I mean, he used to had his own uh, dance studio. Him and his sister did stuff on Broadway. You know, I mean, this guy had, yeah, and when you'd watch him do his clog in the Beverly Hillbillies, he'd make it look all nice and slow. This guy could crank, right? But most, most people don't know, after the first nine days of filming of The Wizard of Oz, they used like a... Um, like a metallic makeup on him an aluminum aluminum yeah and metallic makeup on him and it ended up getting in his lungs and causing him have to go to the hospital because of a respiratory deal man and he was in the hospital and then once he got better it took him like a month after that to get all that stuff out of his lungs so they ended up then putting somebody else in as the tin man and the rest was history um so they actually had to reshoot all of his parts they had already shot the name of that that show was barnaby jones barnaby was it barnaby jones i think so i think you're right yeah yeah so after in the next time with the with the next actor that came in they ended up using a aluminum looking paste on his face they didn't make the same mystique twice but what a lot of but he is still in the movie never never uh visually but when they sing we're off to see the wizard Uh that's his voice singing that with judy garland in there that's buddy edson yep yeah sure is now that's crazy buddy edson yeah, Joe. You know we've uh, we went to like every other week on our podcast and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was uh, I was my my daughter was home for Thanksgiving and we were very uh, appreciative. Got to see Lacey for a little while and her boyfriend Garrett was over. Well, I didn't know it, but Garrett's a huge follower. Uh, Garrett Butler is his name. He's a huge follower of our show, and he goes, Mister Ornelas. He goes what's up, man? We ain't got no show this week. I mean, I was like, man, I got no, I got no, I went to go to the new podcast and it's the old one. I said, brother, you, you, you listen to our podcast. He goes, yeah, man. You know, he said, I walk about five miles a day. He's had some foot operations. So he's still trying to stay in shape. So he walks about four or five miles a day there in college. He said, so I, I listened to y'all on my walk. I was like, I was kind of taken back and I was like, wow, that's cool. I said, well, Brother, why ain't you listening to the other 145 episodes? Yeah. And he goes, I, "Oh, I didn't know there was an idea." I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know if the boy listens to the podcast or not, but he's smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was pretty cool, anyway. <laughs> Love you, Garrett. It's all right, man. Don't let these guys make fun of you, man. That's a big dude, Luis. You better shut I, up. I know. <laughs> I'm giving him props. Yeah. I'm giving him props. Yeah, I'm, you know, yeah, hey, I still got my bluff in, though. I'll guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, real quick, and Mr. Klein, I just want to let you know, man, it's an honor to meet you. Um, you are really the only reason why I logged in. Um, I had a really late day at work today and just got home and I need to eat dinner, need to put the girls to bed and have a super early day tomorrow. I'm wiped. Uh, So unfortunately I won't be able to stay to listen to your story, but I will listen to it in the podcast. 
And please know you, you and RC Knox and Chav are the only reason why. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. 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 Well, I that, you, good, forget, good to me. Yeah. Yeah. forget, forget about Joe and, and Gilbert who give me crap for not, you know, joining <laughs> in. but I had to represent like I always do. The leader of the Venezuela mafia. I'm, I'm, I'm changing my vote on yeah. the leader. I'm changing my vote, man. So, the leader yeah. of the Venezuelan <laughs> mafia showed up just like I knew he would. Really? That's right. That's right. Hey, bro, well, thanks, all, thanks for coming All in. the best, Brother Klein. Gary, yes, to meet you. Nice to meet Thank you, you for you spending bet. time with us and uh, love y'all. Peace oh, out. Yeah, my pleasure. Night, brother. Yeah. Right, thank you. Peace. So, Craig, you're up, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now is time. It's story time, man. And we want you to talk about um, your journey. Uh, you can actually start with where you were you know, three years ago, that part, we don't have to hear everything on that, but we'd like to build in and learn about your journey on that. And then, you know, to the point where we talk about this season, we really want to hear about um, all your ups, your downs, uh, some of the unexpected stuff. Yeah. And, and, you know, I even heard that there was a little bit stuff that went, might've went Western with the llamas. I'm not too sure about that, but uh, yeah. the yeah. they're gnarly little critters, man. <laughs> yeah. So um, we want you to tell that. And if you don't mind, just, this is our educational show. So every now and then, and then we might jump in, ask for clarification, have a conversation, just get you ready for that, you know, uh, as we go along, man. So, Set the scene. It is Montana. And what is the year that you're in Montana? Well, it'd been in 19, I suppose. Yeah. Yep. Three years 20, ago. Yep. 2019, just before COVID, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. You bet. Yeah. So uh it was uh, a buddy kind of put the bug in my ear about doing an elk hunt. And I had I had the year year prior, I had gotten my first taste of western hunting and I had killed a, a mule deer on public land with my bow um in south dakota and i was like i like this this little more mobile i'm used to sitting in a tree i mean that's what yeah. i do at home yeah. mm -hmm. um and i was like this is this is up my alley i mean I, I i like to get out and move i'm kind of an aggressive guy and i it's like let's let's do it and i what part like of I south said, dakota were y'all in uh kind of northwestern northwestern okay. south dakota yep gotcha. yep um but uh you know and for me, I, I've only recently really been able to do some of this stuff because of my career. Uh, with, with being a dog trainer, you're really, really tied down. Um, and uh, it's the closest thing I can compare it to is dairy farming. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I had good help um, and financially able to do some things now. Uh, but yeah, so we decided to head to Montana. Um, kind of hunted the central part we were not in a grizzly bear area kind of by choice Ooh, good <laughs> um yeah yeah well we, we did we moved to a, a grizzly bear area um and that that is an experience but getting back we started off uh we were in the crazy mountains i'll just say it we were in the crazy mountains oh and, cool uh, man we beautiful i mean yeah. just gorgeous gorgeous country and uh we pulled in and literally every spot where you could pull off the road had a rig in it. I mean, it was wow. packed. I mean, packed, packed. And uh, we literally had to wait for somebody to pull out so we could pull my truck and trailer in. Um, and uh, so we pulled in and kind of got unpacked and we were planning on just kind of day hunting at first. And uh, the next morning we took off, uh, 
just some spots I had cyber scouted essentially and we walked and walked just like the the guy in our that we yeah. talked about earlier yeah. bull hike yeah. bull hike yeah. yeah yeah and uh didn't see any I mean really didn't even see any fresh sign it was yeah it's kind of disheartening you know and you know and we're being my first time my buddy had went the year before also so he was on a second year it's my first year you know and very green i mean something like that we were not sure of and i feel stupid even saying it we were, we couldn't tell the difference between moose and elk scat you know and that, that was because we there was a fair amount of moose uh droppings in the area and we were both like, God, I think that's moose, but we weren't positive. And, uh, you know, and we, we didn't, we didn't have no, uh, service, so we couldn't Google it. And, <laughs> but so yeah, you, it turns out it, it calling, was, <laughs> were you calling at this time? Did you, you know, to- yeah, I, I, yeah, for sure. We were doing plenty of calling. Um, I, I feel I've been pretty strong in that area, even since my first year, uh, just cause I practiced a lot. And I, had, like I said, I do have a background in, and waterfall and I, I actually competitive waterfall called for a while and and i can blow blow a dive ramp for turkey so it was uh that came very easy for me i think compared to a lot of people and it's lucky but uh yeah so that we were, you we were using calling the diaphragm, um, craig were you using a oh, diaphragm yeah. or were you using a hoochie yeah. mama no that, <laughs> i was i was using a diaphragm look you laugh yeah. ma'am there have been thousands yeah. of bull elk killed with a hoochie <laughs> i uh well we'll get to that but i i, I still use one i kind of right. add, add in yeah you bet but uh yeah so the, the first three days were i mean honestly just a complete bust and and the crazy mountains is no joke i mean they <sighs> those are big mountains and we uh we, we, we wore ourselves out, but I, uh, I phoned a friend, um, that had hunted the area and he kind of was the one that had given us the, the starting point. And uh, he was like, if there's that many people there, you're probably going to need to get deep in. And, uh, and he said, I'm not talking two miles. I'm talking probably four to six. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we decided we were ready to, 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 to hunt off our back. So we packed up the next morning and we started hoofing it and, uh, we got about three, four miles back, I'd say, and we were we were locate bugling on the way in every once in a while, um, and uh, I, I did get a response. I mean, across a, a canyon, and that, I'll never forget that. That was the coolest thing ever, and it was in a spot where your we, first time, we your first response, yeah, right? the first response. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. I was that was just. I literally, I think I got chills when I, when I heard it, it was, it was kind of an overcast dreary day. It was pretty cold. And he, uh, bugled across the Canyon and this, he was just in a little patch of trees and he had literally had scree, scree rock all the way around this little, little cluster of trees. And then we actually did see him step out, but there was absolute, if you had had mountaineering equipment, you might've been able to get it to him. So, yeah. but that, without that, you, you weren't getting to him. But we seen it out, so that was exciting, and that kind of, you know, put a little pep in our step, and we made it to kind of our spot where we were planning on going um, to camp for that night. It was pretty uneventful up to that point, other than that one bugle, um, and we, we we did some glassing. Um, still weren't seeing a ton of fresh sign. This was all on trail to get to this spot, um, and there looked like there had been a horse camp back in there. Um, but the next morning we packed up, 
we were gonna we decided that we're gonna make basically a big loop and we were basically heading back but we we're gonna go off trail on the way back and that's when we started running into a fair amount of fresh sign um and we had a few 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 elk answer we had a couple of them that i wouldn't say we got close but that we had we probably had an elk within 100 yards so that, that was and that's probably about as close as we got to an elk in the crazy mountains uh we ended up making it back to our truck in two days it took us two days to get back um but like i say it was pretty pretty uneventful we were in some spots where i was like i don't know if we should even think about shooting one here because i don't know if we're going to get it out um but uh learned a lot and uh it was fun i, I enjoyed it i just love being in the mountains um but we got back to the truck we uh I phoned my buddy again and he's like, I said, we only got a couple days. You got any ideas? And he's like, you know, there's this little trailhead. I ain't going to name the town, but it's real near a big, a bigger city in Montana. And he goes, it's a place that the yuppies like to go hike, but he goes, there's usually some elk fairly close to the, to the trailhead there. And, uh, we got there and we literally, uh, it was within, within a mile of the trailhead. We got an answer from an elk and, all of a sudden, he's, he, we thought he was running to us, but he appeared to be spooked in a spike elk, literally buzzed us, ran by, and we didn't get a shot. Uh, turns out somebody, and I don't know if it was an elk, but there was also another hunter involved, and I'm not exactly sure what ha happened. But uh, other than that, that was about our Montana trip. And uh, it left me just – I had – decided I, I liked it i was like i, I want to do I, i'm gonna do this you know I, i'm 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 getting into it i'm gonna learn as much as i can and uh yeah and that was that kind of led me to start thinking about I, mean, I was thinking about the next year literally when we were driving home so um yeah so uh, that's the first the first year so when you take a look at that like um your your style of calling your strategy on calling at that time kind of what was that at that time primarily just location bugles because that's what we were trying to do is locate elk um, right. and i don't feel that we were really ever what i would say into elk knowing what i know now i mean yeah we did run into an elk or two here and there but i just don't feel we were really into them i mean it was right. uh we just we, we weren't in the right spot. You got to find them first. And uh, yep. I don't think we were in the right spot. So when you left out yeah. of there, what did you feel your number one need was going, you know, I mean, you said you thought about it right away, getting on the road. What do you think your number one need was going to be to do this again? I think probably either do more research on the area that we were in or find a new area. I think that was probably number one um you know uh finding ways to get away from people and get away from the pressure um whether that be finding overlook overlook spots or uh overlook spots or going deeper in you know um one of those two things because uh there was a ton of pressure in that spot which which kind of shocked me because uh from what i had been told it typically isn't like that so but, all right uh, so yeah your one's down and yeah uh, you're on the road and you're thinking about the next year so what was the plan well on the way home we my buddy told me that he was going to burn his mule deer point so he didn't think he was going to be going 
the following year. So that kind of, I was like, oh, shoot, you know, that's not what I was hoping to hear because I had my mind made up. I'm going no matter what. And uh, got home and I started kind of asking buddies around here and nobody was really willing to to take off the amount of time that I wanted to go because I like to do around 10 day, ten to 14 days is what I wanted to do. And uh, so I'm like, well, if I got to go deep and I'm by myself, because I was thinking I was going by myself, I was, I, I was like, I need to find out, figure out a way to get these elk out. Because I was thinking I was going to go back to the same spot. Looking back now, that was probably not smart thinking that. But uh, at that point, I was like, I'm going to go back to the same spot. And I started digging into pack llamas or pack stock. I looked into mules and I, I got 42 acres. So I have a spot to keep them. And I trained, I've trained a lot of animals in my life. I've, I've, I'm a dog trainer by trade. We had horses when I was a kid. Um, and it's everything. It just seemed like a good fit for me. I had, I had a building that wasn't being used and had some pasture ground. Uh, and I started digging into that and I ended up buying a couple llamas and uh started training them because they were all untrained when i got them and uh that summer that's what i did a lot of was working with my llamas and you know continued working on my calling and stuff like that but uh that was now, big that focus, had to be getting those guys in its own man right there i mean yeah 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 it was i mean it my well first i had to get my wife on board and that that was no small task. Um, <laughs> the, You're going to buy a what? Yeah, that, luckily, I I, uh, I had three little girls that were really on my side. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. yeah. There you go. So that helped. Yep, that mm-hmm. helped a lot. And, so uh, so uh, just, you know, this is a couple years ago. I, I wouldn't even know where to start. Do you buy young llamas? Do you buy older llamas? What does a llama cost? Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that process it, like? it's the llama market has really just gone wild um, in the last few years. It's, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of Bo Beatty, mm-hmm. um, Wilderness Ridge Trail Llamas. He's kind of, and Randy Newberg is a guy that's really kind of brought this to light. Right. And uh, I was pretty lucky. I kind of caught the front end of it, I think, when it really started taking off because I was able to find a few fairly reasonably priced llamas. Um, and uh, they were, uh, like I say, untrained, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, you could I, two of mine came off of Craigslist and one of them. One of, I bought one that was a better bred llama and uh, he uh, but my other two were very very reasonable. I paid 125 bucks for one of them. Um, oh, and that's reasonable. Turned, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and and he turned into a machine. I mean, he he's awesome. I actually, it's a long story, but I, I've, I've been kind of horse trading llamas well, and upgrade, thinking I'm upgrading, but maybe didn't. Well, <laughs> we're we're story. actually, and for our listeners here, Craig is going to come back on because we're going to do a show just on llamas and and. You know, I'd like to find somebody else that's doing other pack stock to join us on that as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've heard people using goats for pack. I've heard people using alpacas. I've heard people using yeah. llamas. Yeah, goats. goats? Yeah, absolutely. Goats? Yeah. 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 Oh, if you can't pack them, you just eat them. <laughs> yeah. They make good table food. <laughs> well, that's what, I mean, hey, RC, I've heard the same thing. You know, you get stuck in a bad situation with a horse, right? I mean, so... 
Oh, there you go. <laughs> no about that one. No. Uh oh. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to get Craig back on. We're going to talk about that process and the training and those animals, yeah. what it brings, what the problems, the pros, the cons, and and all of those things, man. So uh, we're not going to go too deep in that right now. But you end up getting a string. When you started with two, what did you end up with? Uh, the first year we had, I had three. So, uh, well, being two year, 2000 for our uh -huh. 2000 trip, we had, we had three of them. Um, and in the meantime of all this, my, do you want me to get into my, the 2020 season then? Yeah. yeah. What happens in yeah. 2020? So, so like I said, I thought I was going on my own and, but, uh, midway through the summer, my buddy told me he did not draw his mule deer tag that he thought he was guaranteed to draw. So he was, <laughs> he was back in, um, and uh, so I was like, cool, but Montana? he did not draw he, he didn't draw. No, he was, it was, he was trying to draw Colorado mule oh. deer. He had a bunch of points there, but uh, we had put in for Montana, but we did not draw. So then midway, whenever the Montana results came out, I started researching Colorado and uh, researching it hard, not really having any good firm answers. And then, uh, actually playing cards with some buddies a couple guys had mentioned that they were they went with it and paid a, a trespass fee with this outfitter and they said they seen a pile of elk and i'm just out of curiosity i was like show me on a map where that was and and they pointed it out and i was on 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 x and i'm like well that's all public land around there and they're like no it wasn't no it wasn't and i'm like looking at them like yeah it is it's uh so they thought they were on private land but they're primarily hunting blm land when they're out there <laughs> and uh and Wait a yeah, second, wait I a mean, second, wait a second. They paid a trespass fee to hunt on public land? Primarily, yeah, but they <laughs> they had very good access, though. What took okay. me four, four miles to get, to get into, into right. they, they could they could literally ride their four-wheeler right there and be hunting. Uh, I mean, absolutely. So, so that okay. was the there was, part. That yeah. was I literally, uh, I would almost go across private to get to it? Now, <laughs> knowing what I know. <laughs> So, right. so they had to go across private to get to the public. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. There is ways into it, but it's gotcha. not easy. Yeah. So, okay. um, but yeah, so I just started researching that area and I knew it wasn't going to be easy, even just from my, you know, uh, internet research, whatever. I knew it wasn't going to be easy to get into, but we could get to the areas that they were hunting. And, uh, and they said it, they seen lots of elk and these guys, I wouldn't say are hardcore hunters by any means. So uh, we uh, decided that's where we were going to go. We're going to give it a try, see if we can get in there. We didn't know if we'd be able to get in there, to be honest. I mean, because we knew it was going to be steep and it was going to be, there was no trails back to it that we could see. Um, and uh, yeah, but we were like, well, let's, let's see if we can get in there. And we packed up and I think we left around the 16th of September, so 15th or 16th of September to head to Colorado. And, uh, we, we pulled an all nighter to get there. And, uh, first night we just kind of took it a little bit easy. Just did some glassing and stuff to acclimate a little bit and, uh, didn't see any, any elk. So that was disappointing, but what uh, elevation we, were you at, bud? Uh, I think it was 8,900, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Eight, nine, yeah. Eight, eight, 9,000 where it tops out at. So it's not super high, but, uh, high enough. enough. It's very, very, very rugged, very rugged country. Um, but, uh, yeah, then the next morning woke up early, started packing up the llamas. Um, 
where we were to, to access this, we kind of had to skirt some, some private land. And uh, the first part of the trail is probably, it's, I, I keep calling it a trail. It's not a trail. Um, the, where we skirted this, it was pretty treacherous. And I'll be honest, there was a pucker factor going on, just getting around this <laughs> one piece of private, um, especially with, with animals. You know, that, that throws a whole a whole nother uh element yeah, I mean, of danger yeah yeah for sure for yeah, sure they got a mind of their own yeah and uh and in the same spot the next year we did that's where our little train wreck happened but uh we made it through the first year no problem um they did awesome i was super happy with how they did and we we got around this spot and then it got a little easier but we're going through a lot of thick timber which is also not easy with pack animals um but there's also some open areas good time in the open areas that picked our way through the the thick areas and uh we made it we made it in there i mean it it was almost an all-day affair to get back there i mean we hiked i think we got back in there it was probably we, we started at first light we got in there i think at four o'clock kind of where our destination camping spot was so uh and we were we were we were torched when we got in there we were <laughs> it was uh not easy but uh we started setting up camp we picked out a spot and uh as we're setting up all of a sudden we uh see somebody walking towards us and i'm like oh geez <laughs> you know we thought maybe we'd have it to ourselves but we're not we're in colorado over the counter you know that's probably not the case so um guy comes up and we start talking and he had lots of questions about the llamas and we actually hit it off. Turns out he's originally from Wisconsin. So he's, you know, a neighbor to us up here. And, uh, but he, he, he lived, he lived in Colorado. Um, and turns out he works for, uh, a sporting good company that, uh, a lot of people had probably heard of, but, uh, I won't mention the name for it because he don't work there anymore, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's, uh, yeah but yeah i'm like well this guy's got to know what he's doing he lives out here and he works for this company and he's got to know what he's doing i'm thinking and 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 we started talking he started saying yeah we watched you guys we we're glassing you guys and you're coming in he goes you guys are crazy and uh and i'm like yeah you know and i, I was like I, I didn't really know what he meant by that and I, I offered him i said hey if you guys shoot an elk i'll you know i'll pack it out for you if you know because they seem like really good guys and uh and then they kind of opened up a little bit and he goes, well, you know, there, we watch you guys come in and there's a, there's a old outfitter trail, uh, on that, at a different elevation of where we came in. It's not marked. It's just a, it's an old outfitter trail and it makes it, I'm not going to say it makes it easy, but it made it a lot easier, uh, with that outfitter trail to get in and out of there. And, uh, but, uh, and then he started telling us, he goes, yeah, there's elk around here. You guys will, you'll see elk. And, uh, yeah, so that that was pretty exciting. I mean, after talking to him, we're like, heck yeah, we're in a we're in a decent area at least, you know. And uh, and we that evening we we heard elk. We actually heard a heard a lot of bugling. Um, there was a, a a drainage going through the private that that has. <laughs> it's pretty crazy there's at any given time pretty much you could hear bugling going on down there even midday there'd be bugles once in a while but uh the elk seemed like that was kind of their their main uh sanctuary area i would say but it was all private and uh yeah we uh we hunted for a few days uh we had 
a bunch of encounters. I shouldn't say a bunch, but we were we were consistently seeing elk. I think we seen elk pretty much every day. And uh, I had a an encounter that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Um, had gotten a, I would say a screaming match with a bull, um, and uh, I located and he every time I'd call and he seemed like he. I thought he was coming to me. Um, and I was kind of going towards him. I had to dive up down the mountain. Um, so I was on top. Uh, and this was fairly early in the morning and my thermals were still going down. So I had to get off to the side to him and I was trying to get down to his level. Um, and I, he got, I got within probably a hundred yards of him. I was like, I'm going to set up. Well, turns out, and I didn't know this, there was a bench. I was right by his bedroom i mean literally right in his right in his kitchen i would say and uh what you would have thought would have been good i i bugled at him i had so much going through my mind i mean i've listened to to to, to you guys paul medell and uh a bunch of other people i i had so much stuff going through my brain i did not know how i'm thinking slow play no 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 he's yeah. he, he's, he's pissed <laughs> off i'm gonna challenge him i i now you I were thinking so right. much going through my head i i and it got kind of got to the point where I think I was just throwing, you know, crap up against the wall, seeing what stuck, you know? <laughs> and, and look, dude, and, there, uh, there's, there's a lot of experienced guys that start throwing crap against the wall. Sometimes you just, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys. I mean, you just got to sometimes try to go off base. So anyway, go ahead. That's not bad. Yeah. So this pretty quick, he, they, they came into the betting area. It was, a, it was actually a really, really nice bull for Colorado. I, I'm not a, big field judger but i would say he was well over 300 inches mm -hmm. um he was a very nice very nice bull and he had from what i could see it's very thick where he was at i'd say he had five to ten cows with him um there you go and uh and yeah and the one time when i did challenge him this is pretty quick when they first got into that bedding area he actually almost charged me and came through it was the, the way the bedding area was set up. It, it was a few tall pine trees and a super thick brush around it. It was a perfect spot for them, but not a good spot for me. Like um, oak brush? Like oak brush? No, I don't know what it's called, but I found that they really like to eat the leaves off of it. And I don't know what kind of plant it was. And that's something I need to figure out. It had yeah, almost I, like a, a, a willowish, a big willow leaf, I would call it. Yeah, yeah. Here, and, but, and they and they go out evenly all on yeah, it. And I'm not yeah. sure exactly what that is called either. Yeah. But yeah, I saw a lot of that in Colorado when yeah. I was there. And it seemed yeah. like they didn't eat it when it was young. They waited and would only eat it on the mature plants, the big leaves. But they really mm -hmm. like to eat it. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And so, but I, this was one of the coolest things there. So all I see is a rack. Like I said, it was almost like he charged me. He he came right at me, um, and he got just to the edge of that thick stuff, and he turned around and went back. I mean, he I had my bow drawn back. I thought he was coming, and if he would have taken three, four more steps, I would probably would have got a shot. But he, he turned around, and went went back, oh, 15 yards, um, and uh, but he turned around and went back to his to his cows, and then uh, he had one other time where I was calling. I, I was, like I said, I was trying everything and uh, he came and circled down below me and I almost got a shot at him again down there. But then again, he, he turned back and went to his cows. Um, How far away was his cows, Craig, about? Not very far. I was close. I was 50 yards max, I would say. 
Yeah. Um, that was it, the key. It was, yeah. it yeah, was so, super thick. So basically he's, you know, he's in a situation where you've announced yourself as a bull challenging him and he's got cows behind him. So he's bluff, you know, he's bluff charging, coming out, trying to be aggressive and then going right back to his cows. He's going to make sure that, I mean, if he doesn't see you, you know, he's kind of worried about the fact that that bull is going to go back and start stealing off and peeling off. Right. So did you ever, Yeah, that makes did, sense. Did you ever start? Like, instead of going to the challenge right away, did you ever try to uh, be a lost calf or be a lost cow or any, or do any cow muse first to test the the love waters? I'm trying to remember exactly. I know I, looking back on it, I thought I should have used more, more cow sounds. Um, I, I had them. I mean, he was, he was in a pissed off mood. I mean, right, and I, right. I, I, I seriously, yeah, he's got to see it. He's got to see another bull now. Yeah. He's, and he's that come was the to problem where, you were and he where they were was, was super thick, but then it yeah. kind of opened up yeah. and yes, exactly. Right. He was coming to that edge and he's looking and he couldn't see what, yeah. where, who I was. And he was like, and he went, he just right. turned back. So to me, to it just cows. sounds like too, something for you to think about a huge part of most bow hunters problem is their setup, set up, set up, where they decide right. to set up is yeah. so friggin' critical, man. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to set up where he can have a stop and scan spot and you don't have a shot, you're out of right. luck because you've got to get you know, inside. The yeah, yeah. You did have a bull in a fighting mood. You're bringing them into 15 yeah. yards, 20 yards with right. his gun behind him, but you're in a situation where you're not able to shoot because all you did was piss him off and brought him in, but you didn't set yourself up for the kill. Right. <laughs> so yeah, if you'd have been yeah, 15 sure. yards inside of where you were, you'd have shot him dead as a hammer. Absolutely, man. But that's in I the don't thick know stuff. If I would have, cause that would have been in the thick stuff. And yeah. This stuff is so thick. Yeah. Well, he's walking in there, so it ain't that yeah. thick. Well, it's yeah, real and, thick. And I, and I hear you. <laughs> you're talking about a 750 pound animal as big as a Clydesdale horse, brother. But, but you're yeah, actually I mean, there's what you're saying is, is you're actually better off in that thick where he has to search yeah. to look for you. Yeah. But given yeah. you know, you've got to you know, and here's the problem is we don't always get to we don't get to pick our setups all the time. You got an elk, he's over here, he's 50, 60 yards yeah. away. Yeah. And you're like, okay, man, where do I set up? And all this stuff's going through your head. Well, do I like sound like a bull? Is he screaming? Do I challenge him? Do I sound like this? Do I that? He, yeah, you got all this stuff rolling your head. But remember, and if I could tell anybody the nugget out of this, more importantly than any of that, in that type bubble situation is your setup, right? Definitely. And, yeah. and sometimes it's an, oh, crap, I've got to just set up because that booger's coming. But There it, was some of that for sure. For, right. for you because, too, man, you already had him jacked up bugling at him, and he was bugling back, stepping on you. You're stepping on him. I'm going to tell you what. You could have Katie bar the door, damn them cows, and just bugled your way straight at him. Because he's looking for a bull, right? And you could have washed yourself right in the middle of that thicket and probably not scared anything, especially oh, if you had the wind right. Boy, sounding like a bull, and he's going to yeah. check it out. Well, can now, you just bugle your way right to him, brother. You, you had better be ready for a frontal, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. 
That's the That's only right. But at 10, 15 yeah. yards, yeah. man, I mean, you're a good enough archer. You'd probably make that happen. But like well, you said, you know, you start doing just anything you can, you know, to try and get, get the deal. Yeah. Sealed, I mean, know. I had even at one point thought about trying to back out to get to just to try to pull them into the open a little bit. Um, Cause I was really tight to the thick cover and, but it, I was so Problem close. Is he's going to get to that open and look, he's going to stop. And look through and, that open. But all I needed him to do was step out of the brush. Yeah. You know, is what right. I was thinking. Yeah, he, he but I, I was cows. so close. I was I was worried about even moving that I was gonna get pegged because I was that was so tight. I mean, it was they were right there. And uh Joe hit on yeah, it, it was the first part. Super cool, super yeah. cool encounter though. Joe hit on it the first part. That bull was focused on you, but the, what he's focused on you about is keeping his cows. So if you call his cows to you, he's done, brother. You get between him and those cows, it's a done deal, right? So calling those cows are, are the key to getting to him, right? And like Joe said, that lost cow or that lost calf, man, those cows can't handle that. They're going to come see what's up, right? And same with the bull. I mean, Luis's bull that they killed, that was he was on a string because of that calf whining, right? So, I mean, it's a uh, – it's just something for you to think about, man. What a cool encounter, yeah. though, man. It was, it was, it was awesome to Great see that there. guy come crashing through that brush like he was gonna <laughs> run me over. Yeah, I mean, aren't they amazing was, athletes, brother? They oh, can go man. through that it's, stuff and never touch your horns on the. Uh, that, that, that's antlers. another one I won't, I won't ever forget. Yeah, but uh, so you yeah, had that was one where I how's it go from there? Um, you know, my buddy missed, uh, missed a cow. Or actually, no, he missed two shots at cows that day. And he's a very good archer, too. But <laughs> this shooting in the mountains is different than, is, than flatland where we're at. And, and he, stationary he shot targets. right over the back. Yep. And uh, it, was, it was a longer poke, but it was straight downhill. And he uh, went right over her back twice. Um, that was, I think, the same day. Uh, <laughs> and we, we, we had – I'm trying to think here. Yeah. So, I'm overall – in in 2020 you're having encounters and and now yeah. the blood is i mean you guys got the blood pumping in 2020 man yeah. it sounds like a very yeah. successful trip you're doing things you're still finding your way in your elk journey as far as decisions choices and putting things which is dude second year Man, I'm telling you, that's pretty doggone good. You've actually kind of flattened that learning curve. Now, what did you, now we have a second trip coming out of 2020 now that's after 2019. What was the thought processing as soon as you guys were driving home on this one? Well, I'm going to back you up just a little bit because okay. I got a shot too. Oh, um, no. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's it's one that I don't. And it, I, I hit one and, and did not hit him good. And it wasn't the lethal hit. Uh, just, just glanced one off his back basically. Um, but that encounter, it was, I definitely learned a lot on how fast things can happen. Um, we were just hiking along and we were cow calling this time and mm-hmm. literally just all sun, just like that, we cow called and boom, we heard brush breaking within 60, 70 yards of us. And we were on an old logging trail, which you could barely see, but uh, they're, they're cutting towards the logging trail. We, it sounded like there was two of them. Um, and literally within 10 seconds of me making that cow call, this, this uh, raghorn bull was standing there looking at me on the trail at 60 yards. 
and uh we had the the sun was at our back because we're both on the trail and he's just sitting there looking we literally had our bows on our backs um and that was another lesson that you should <laughs> always have at least one guy have your bow in hand if you call him for sure yeah and uh so I, my buddy quick unclipped my bow and he pulled out his rangefinder. He ranged it. And then I pulled back and the, he, he kind of whirled. Um, I, I thought the shot felt good, but he, he dropped and kind of, kind of whirled to the side. And, and how far away was my, that? That's, that's my excuse. Anyway, how far um, he, he was about 60, about yeah. 60 yards, which that's on the edge of my real comfortable range. But I mean, I can, I can lay him in there at so, 60. So here, but here's the thing. I mean, these animals, I imagine, are looking at you guys while you're taking the bow off. He, yes. Right. And he was, he was amped. And I think that's why he kind of whirled when I shot. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's one uh, of those experience things too, that we talk about is, is, you know, understanding the difference between a relaxed animal because that animal might've been able at 20 yards to be that antsy and you still get that shot and make that happen. But at 60 yards, you're going to end up with some, movement yeah right? he's get, so. got a lot of time yep and yep. That, that's something that definitely and i should have known that from deer hunting that's the same thing there i mean if an animal's amped up you cut your distance in half yeah but I dude mean, man it, when i mean second year elk hunting you got elk there you've been humping you've been doing all and, and what I, i'm not making an excuse i'm not saying it's okay but we understand that sometimes gilbert always says that man everything that you learn goes out the crack of your butt sometimes and yeah, guys Five get seconds. so amped that they'll take a situation that should be a no shot and and try you know because okay Forcing I, it. Yeah. yeah well it, that's my yeah in my comfort zone is distance but we're not thinking about everything else that makes it marginal so yeah, yeah you I, got I, it. I hear you on that okay yeah but uh yeah so, and that was the that was our last night and uh yeah we headed home after that um what i say I, my feeling driving home was the elk got lucky <laughs> we should have brought <laughs> home an elk <laughs> um with without a doubt we should have brought home an elk and i was how many days was that more, i think 10 yeah, what right. do you feel what do you 10, feel 10 like days. the biggest contributor was you not not finishing or not uh what we call you know finishing the deal uh on that on that bull you took a shot at what do you think the number one cause of that was Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, and honestly, I, we didn't shoot well. I mean, which is crazy for two guys, this guy that I hunt with worked in the same archery pro shop I did. And we were both, I would consider way better than average shots. Um, but and which is a great well. thing though, Craig, um, to mention, because what people get to understand is you being a rock star in your backyard, when you're flat, yeah. your feet are right. Everything's yeah, level yeah. is way in, different. In when you get on those hills and you get in those trees and those distances look different and you're shooting up or you're yeah, shooting yeah. down and you don't bend at your waist or you go out to, I mean, you're changing all that. So if you don't practice those scenarios, it it's different, right? Pressure. Yes. Man. Yeah. Pressure, I would tell too. people to, to learn. I mean, some of these mountains are so steep. You literally almost have to put, go on your knee on your back leg just to, to keep your, your proper T form. You absolutely to, yeah to you gotta bend at the waist yeah. and a lot of guys yeah. will just bring that arm up and change form totally yeah, right? yeah. yep yep and you can't yeah. do that i mean you got to keep your same anchor you got to learn if you're shooting downhill if you're shooting you know below 45 i mean 
and you're shooting straight down, I mean, you can shoot your 20-yard pin out to almost 40 yards, man. It's no big deal. If you're shooting at an animal 41 yards and you use your 40-yard pin, you will sail it right over his back or slap him right in the back, you know? Yeah, that, that's what happened to my buddy, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So what but, do you think was the number one thing that, that kept you from sealing the deal with that bull that you let the arrow go on? Oh, distance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not the distance, knowing the distance. The distance. Well, not no, knowing. I knew, knew the distance. distance. I think, I think the animal was too amped up. You know, yeah. he, he knew something was up. He could see us. He knew something was up, and he was, I think, on the verge of bolting even before I shot. Gotcha. Would, would be my guess. Yeah. So I would say yeah. that. Yeah. You know, a sixty-yard six animal that sees you, watching you, is getting yeah, nervous, and you pull that. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a and, that's that's uh, not know, a good formula. And I think uh, something that we, we felt too, like when we were driving home, just talking and stuff, it was like, we, I think we were doing maybe too much bugling and not enough cow calling. I think that was uh, cool. uh, something that we, we, we decided. All right, so on. I'm going to take you, man. I'm going to take you from there. You've got the same buddy, and we're going into 2022. I'm sorry, 2021. Yep. I'm already year ahead. 2021, yeah. I'm already thinking yeah. ahead of ball game. We're going to 2021. All right, here's the story. Let's hear it. All right, well. It started off horrible. I mean, we, uh, I'm going to, the, we got in there a little same later place? than planned. Uh, same, same place. Same place. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, a different crew of llamas than the, than the prior year. All but one, I had four llamas this year. Um, and, uh, only one of them was the same as the previous year. Okay. Uh, I thought I was upgrading. Um, race <laughs> horse llamas. Did you? Yeah. You got you some quarter yeah. horse llamas, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I went uh, bigger, better, faster. You know. And, gotcha. Uh, turns gotcha. out, and I will say it is a lot. I put a lot of the blame on myself. I uh, I did not work with them as much as I did the previous year with the mm. with the previous group. Um, so I put a lot of that blame on myself. Uh, my business was just absolutely uh, we had uh, with covid for my business has helped which absolutely is weird. yeah but but uh yeah so my my business was just insane this past year and i just did not right. have time to to spend spend with them but anyway we uh I, I talked about that first uh little stretch there where we had to skirt around that private that was pretty sketchy and uh we had uh yeah, what, what do they say? It got Weston. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our base camp elk hunting training camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our base camp training camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. 
This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like. By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And base camp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. Um, uh, Train wreck with your llama drama, huh? Yeah, yep. We, uh, so we had, I had, uh, we each had a pair of them, um, I had my, my one young one is rather spirited. We'll say, um, he, we were kind of in the bad spot where it was pretty sketchy and he bolted. And, uh, mm. when he bolted, he almost knocked me over and it's steep enough where it could be bad. Um, and, but, but even worse than me, I caught myself right away, but he actually made the llama behind him trip and he did a barrel roll and, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah and and i and i thought i thought they were going down the mountain but luckily this this young spirited one was able to to get his footing and, and keep the other one from from going down the mountain um do you have them, them together there yeah yeah and yeah. and that's something we're gonna some guys run breakaway systems and mm-hmm. i did not have them on a breakaway system mm-hmm and looking back on that, I don't know if I'd rather, if, if we would have had a breakaway system and that would have broke, he might've kept rolling down the mountain. Yeah. Um, you know, so it was scary. I mean, it was really scary. And, and, uh, we, uh, is that, is that one of those up, sit down, catch your breath. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's just stop that's, here uh, for a minute. That's kind of funny. That's exactly what I did. I said, let's yeah. just, we, all right, just make sure nobody's no, everybody's, nobody's going to roll down the mountain. Let's just, kind of reevaluate where we're at and what we're going to do here to get get things going um we got that other llama to where he was stable and not going to keep rolling and we unhooked him um and this young llama was just completely not acting like himself and i i i still don't know what caused it or why he did it he, he's young and that's it, that that is something after talking to more experienced people than myself that that's probably the biggest issue he's just young he's kind of feeling his oats and uh but i got him across i we separated them and i came back kind of got him to a a flatter spot came back to get the other one um and of course it was a yard sale on a on the side of a mountain and uh we had equipment scattered all over i mean (laughs) you you couldn't hardly think of a worse way to start your trip i mean this this is 
literally in the first 300 yards. <laughs> oh no! Oh, <laughs> yeah, <gosh. laughs> yeah. So, mm. uh, and I mean, and and it wasn't over. I mean, it was, you know, that that it, it it freaked out the other llamas, so they weren't really acting like themselves either. And there's a couple other small rodeos and. But we finally got everything around, and I mean, I, I, my buddy kept his cool. I kept my cool, and I think that's that, that's definitely a lesson. Like you said, you gotta. You it'd be pretty cool easy to sure. to lose your shit. I mean, yeah. in that that situation, because uh, yeah, it was not pretty. It wasn't pretty. Um, yeah. And uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully my wife doesn't listen to this because <laughs> 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 she pr- probably never let me go again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, honey. But, uh, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I've got her. Yeah, I got a great wife. She's she's awesome. Yeah, but I, I know exactly. Uh, I, I took my daughter on a on a trip one time uh, where we, Cav and I, decided to go and and go do some uh, scouting back in an area. And my daughter came home. We almost died. <laughs> so yeah, I know. <laughs> Good thing them llamas can't talk, brother. <laughs> llamas oh, yeah, right? can't talk. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's uh man, yeah. Yeah, no, and I've taken the llamas uh on a trip with my kids uh to the Bighorn Mountains in Wyoming, and we had a just a blast of a time. I'll that's and it awesome. was memories like you won't believe but uh but yeah getting back we continued down the trail and things were okay but they weren't great this this young llama was just not acting normally he was constantly trying to push me down the trail and there was a point where i mean if this thing is gonna kill somebody he's yeah. I, I yeah i mean it it yeah i mean if it's between me and a llama I, yeah I, i'm the one walking out that llama <laughs> yeah, yeah you know and i'm throwing it, that but sometimes some you gotta you know count your blessings unstrap them take yeah. them back and tie them you know back in the pen at the truck right. for a couple of days yeah yeah and honestly looking back at it that would have been the thing to do but i thought it was a fluke i was like yeah. right because he this was this was the one that was with us the previous year that's the the really funny thing i mean he did great um but uh yeah you know the other thing we ran into is this uh uh, so this outfitter trail that i had talked to you about or mentioned from the previous year that we were obviously on that we had a pile of trees that had blown across the trail and so luckily i did have a good handsaw with and but we spent hours cutting cutting trees to get through you know Mm -hmm. which that's one disadvantage with stock is you know they a llama can jump over about a uh you know a, a knee high maybe thigh high you know tree you know they can mm-hmm. they can get over um but you know nothing waist high they're not going to be able to jump over that uh not mm-hmm. with packs on anyway right um but uh so we spent uh, hours and hours cutting cutting logs to get get down the trail so uh, we didn't get to our site till it was all, it was just getting dark and the weather was turning shitty and, uh, wind started blowing, started raining and we had the tent half put up and, uh, it had sticks pull out. We, I got a bigger, uh, a bigger, uh, it's not, it's a lightweight wall tent is basically what it is. And, uh, stakes pulled out as we're setting it up and it was not fun, but we did get it staked down and we got in and, 
I got a little stove for in there. So we lit that up and it was good. All was good. We, we weathered the storm, but it got pretty wild that there's 40 mile an hour winds or so and, uh, and some rain, but, uh, woke up the next morning and started kind of heading to our spots that we had, cause we had been there the year before we kind of had some ideas where to go. I went and we were going to mainly glass that day. And, uh, I actually almost right off the bat spotted some elk. So I'm like, all right, this sounds good. And I could hear the elk bugling on the private again. So it was all the same as last year. I was thinking, but that, my buddy went out and didn't see a thing. And, and, uh, Mr. Clyde, I'm going to stop you right there. We keep calling him yeah. your buddy, but that buddy's got a name. What's his name, brother? Oh, his nail's Kale Graham. Kale Graham. Graham. Name. All right. Cool. Yeah, you bet. So Mr. Yep. Kale's the guy you ride the river with. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We definitely did on this one. Cool. cool <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I had glassed up, I'd seen a, a, a small bull and two cows and I, I watched them until I kind of where I thought they were going to bed and I kind of lost them, but I, I had, I had an idea where they were going. Um, they were going on a, on a, on a North side slope and, uh, kept glass and get, met back up with kale back at camp and he didn't see anything and we we're just kind of walk as i was walking back and him walking around a little bit we're like the sign is not here like it was last year so that we were kind of worried but i was like well i seen these three so let's go see if we can set up on them um we uh this was probably i would say about 10 10 o'clock or so so it was fairly late but we got in there and uh, I said, you go ahead and set up. I'm going to go back and call set up about 60 yards behind. I'm just kind of doing a cold calling routine from uh, from where we thought they bedded, where we thought we'd be within earshot. And we set up a few times and nothing came in. Um, we so kept I'm going I'm to stop you there. So when you said you did a cold calling yep. routine, um, for those people that are listening that might not, might not know that, what did that look like? I mean, this is what we call a scenario um, that we would sure, put on yeah. the sound like uh, elk in the area, right? Yeah, we were we mainly were doing just cow calf sounds, uh, mm -hmm. ground sounds, you know, you know, making rustling and stuff, and uh, but mainly cow calf stuff. We really didn't do any bull sounds. Um, okay. We kind of had had our mind made up we were going to do a lot more cow calling this awesome. year, um, and uh, we 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 had set up. Like I said, we had an idea where they're bedded, but we did not know exactly where they're bedded. So we set up and we just kind of kept doing setups. We'd, we'd call for about, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes, and then we'd slide in closer. And uh, we, I think we, I was on the third setup where uh, I thought I had heard something and uh, I couldn't quite see my buddy, which I know that's not necessarily the best thing, but he was down a little ways. I could kind of see him, but not very good. And, uh, and I, a couple times I heard, thought I heard twigs snap. And all of a sudden my buddy came walking back up and he's like, did you see that? And I'm like, what? No, I didn't see nothing. I said, I thought I heard something. And he goes, I had, I had two spiked bulls within three to five yards of me. And, and I was like, no way. I was like, awesome. You know, and, and in Colorado, you, you can't shoot a spike, you Ooh. know, but I mean, that's like, this is the first morning I'm thinking this is good, you know? And, uh, there you go. it was it was exciting. I mean, he was pumped. I was pumped. And, uh, yeah, so got off to a pretty good start, but then again, we were nervous. Cause like I said, the sign just was very, very minimal compared to the previous year. There was rubs the previous year all over the place and fresh, fresh droppings all over. And we just weren't seeing it. Um, so we were nervous. Um, 
but we could tell the private land was loaded um because there's bugling going on nonstop down on there and, and how uh, far away is this private land from where you guys are well we can we can go right up to it i mean it's Mm -hmm. I mean, from where the, the, the you know, the elk were kind of hanging down towards the bottom of the drainage to the top where the, where the public land started, it was probably, I don't know, quarter, not even a quarter mile, I suppose. Okay. I don't know. So, so they were fairly close and this is, as we get into it, you'll, you'll find. Okay. Rock. I, I just, oh. well, <laughs> it was, I just had it in my mind. You couldn't call an elk off private land. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, I've heard, wow. I, I've heard oh. people on other podcasts say you're wasting your time. <laughs> what? And, and, oh, and this is one of the things you that heard I learned it on our podcast. Cool. Uh -uh. And that's, that's what actually gave me the courage to try it, to be honest. I, uh, I was like, well, you know, so we, the next morning we went up and set up kind of close to this public land and and we're like well let's just let's just give it a shot you know and see what happens Next to the, close to the private land yeah okay go ahead yeah yeah so we there was a saddle where we knew the elk kind of came off the private onto the public a lot and we're like well, let's just kind of set up there at first light and you know there could potentially be elk moving through the saddle but but also we're going to try doing some calling there and literally i started doing some some loud call calls i mean like pretty much as loud as i could could muster a call call about blowing it out right and because they were because they were a long way off you know that okay. elk are you know yeah. they're a quarter quarter mile away mm -hmm. and uh it didn't take just too long and you it seemed like we had one responding like you could tell he was responding to the cow calling and i was like well they hear us so that's a that's a that's a good thing you know we, we can tell they, they can hear us and then it started getting closer and closer and, and like, well, he almost sounds like he's coming, you know? And I'm like, I told my buddy, you get ready. And, uh, all of a sudden we seen him. He, and he's still probably, I don't know, 500 yards away, four or 500 yards away. We just caught a glimpse of him and he was on, he was on the move and he's coming. Um, so I literally, I, I bolted back. I wanted to get away from my buddy a little bit. Um, and we're in really open, really it's quite open way more open than you'd want to be calling in um but i went behind a, there was a big pine and i went and set up behind there you know i was probably 30 yards from my buddy and this guy was nice six by six literally came and it happened so fast again and my buddy did something you guys he should be listening to your podcast because he didn't draw his bowl <laughs> <laughs> the number one reason why uh, yeah and, and pretty soon this bull is literally in his lap yeah i think he's probably between 15 20 yards away and he's sitting there and hadn't drawn and he he did try to draw and the bull bull picked him and and boom he was gone and that was it was a gorgeous bull uh and this is nice right, so let me ask you this when 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 he went to go draw and that bull went to go bolt did anybody try cow calling or screaming? I, I did. did I did. I did. I tried cow calling and he wasn't having it. He okay. wasn't. And, and, uh, he did stop. He, 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 he did. He did. I don't think so. He did stop, but he was at that point, he was probably pushing 70, 80 yards away. Okay, So he did stop um, to turn and look. He did right? stop. Okay. Yeah. But he, yeah. he, he ran down the hill. I mean, he was, yeah, he he got out of there quick. Um, so if he stopped, yeah, he didn't I, smell him. 
Yeah. Okay, because okay, well, that's that's something I didn't know they, that they wouldn't necessarily stop if they do smell you. They're gone. No, they but, out. Uh, yeah, they out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would guess that. Yeah. yeah. No, but, I, uh, I mean you, the only thing that I've seen Joe do with bulls staring us down is he bugles. You know, screams a yeah. gnarly bugle when I get ready to draw, and the bull freezes up 90 percent yeah, no, of the time. But let, let's qualify that because yeah. it depends on how close they are to you and their age group. Because I, I did that to a bull this year. I mean, it was <laughs> he was only probably ten feet away from me, and he was yeah. just a little bull chasing this cow, and right. and. I, my problem was I didn't sound like a bugle far away. You know how you're, you're yeah. same thing. You get excited. And I just screamed that bugle out and his guys got about this big and it just blew him up. Man. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it, can, it can blow up a situation too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, so that was, it was great, but I, I, I was disappointed. He was disappointed. And it, but you but called whatever. a bull off the private yeah. property. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that was, that was definitely a light bulb moment. Did y'all I mean, watch him come across the private property? Well, we 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 knew exactly where the boundary was. Uh-huh. I didn't, we couldn't see where the fence was, but he did have to jump a fence at some yeah. point. Uh-huh. To, and to and actually, us. you're better off being that 500. Yeah. Oh yeah, because, yeah, man. Well, yeah. and that's me and my my buddy did it. Kind of have a little disagreement on that. He wanted to get right up by the fence. I was like, Ooh. I want to give us at least a hundred yard buffer. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. or more because yeah, understand more. something. Yeah. Everybody listening is when an elk comes from a direction and you shoot that animal, yeah. it is going to turn and run way. back the way that it Same came from. Mm-hmm. And if, unless you put a great shot on that animal, if you're that close now, and I, it, you know, uh, in New Mexico, I know the ranchers around here where we hunt a lot of times and you can call them and say, you know, I'd like to retrieve some yeah. places that becomes a difficulty. So mm-hmm. in some oh, places yeah. it's not, it just depends. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Yeah. But you open yourself up for that calamity. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. but you yeah. did the right I, thing, brother, staying away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like drama. But, uh, yeah, so I mean, we're thinking, wow, that was pretty amazing, you know, and 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 it was definitely a light bulb moment. Because, and I'm just thinking of the year before. It's like I had so many opportunities where we where we did have elk way closer to the the, the public property line, and why I didn't try calling them, I have I I don't know. I like I said, I have heard literally heard on podcasts that trying to call elk off private land, you're wasting your time. So you know, I've, I've read watched. it on forum. I've read it on forums and yeah. well, it, it's uh, I've watched Joe yeah. bring them from a half a mile away on private well, land. And, and we weren't done calling them off of private land. There so. you go. Let's hear it. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. Awesome, so, brother. We literally, we literally did not move. We just stayed there after that happened. And yeah, you know, we're both bummed out and uh whatever there's still there's still elk down below bugling so i started cow calling again and once you know it it probably wasn't 15 20 minutes later here comes another one (laughs) (laughs) and it was and it happened almost the exact same way as as the first one Mm we've seen them go through that same there must have been a trail where we could see where they came through a slot and uh we're like he's coming he's coming and uh I, I, again, I bolted up away from my buddy because it worked good last time, went to the same spot and, uh, this one hung up a little bit and he took a little different trail and just the way the, the train was, 
he came by, he got within 10, 15 yards of me. And I had left my bow by oh. my buddy. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Great lesson learned. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it was a, there, too, though. It was a scramble because it happened so fast. And that's what I mean. That's something that people need to realize that I haven't done it. Sometimes, it, I mean, I'd say half the time, it seems to happen. Like it does ultra fast, oh, absolutely. you know, yeah. and, and you've got to be ready for it. And, and in that situation, I was like thinking this elk's going to take the same trail that last one did. And my buddy's going to smoke him. He's going to draw early and he's going to kill him. And, <laughs> and, and I, I don't, that was, that was kind of my screw up. And my buddy too, he's like, God, if I would have stopped him in the right spot, I probably could have got a shot too. It would have been at about 40 yards. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was, that was, strike two i guess but uh huh? learning is your moment buddy, is your buddy kale yeah. calling too is your buddy kale a, a little bit caller? you know he's 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 good but he, oh, gotcha. he, he he's he's got a he's got an open read that he sounds sounds real good on good. Um, he's not quite quite as good with the diaphragm yet but he's working on it and good. uh good good yeah the thing and he does sound pretty good his volume I, I, and i don't know maybe you got tips for that joe is uh his volume is really it seems like he's very quiet when he calls mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, not a bad thing. No, I agree. But for the situation we were in here, mm-hmm. a quiet call. He needs to feel no his diaphragm more with air. Yeah, it, it just yeah, just more stomach, gut, yeah. and opening your mouth a little bit. Some guys will yeah. keep that real small. You know, mm-hmm. they'll keep their mouth real closed, yeah. and and they just are real light with it instead of. And you don't have to do it with tongue pressure. You just. Uh-uh just use that diaphragm push it out with that gut man and uh, yeah. you get those louder sounds cool cool yeah yeah so so yeah that was a super exciting morning i mean we were pretty pumped up in uh but walking back to our camp uh we were still and we both were in agreement oh and i forget that i messed apart so kind of when in, when we were sitting in this spot um Kale had actually glassed up a whole pile of elk on the far side of the private. And he's like, Hey, look over there once. And I started glassing them too, too. And I mean, there was a bunch. I mean, I'm 50, 60 head of elk okay. um, awesome. on, the, on the far side of the private. And we started looking at our on X and we're like, well, that's public over there too. Uh, and, and they're, they're kind of on the edge again, but they're definitely on public land. So we're, we're, we got this in the back of our head. And uh, we're walking back to camp. And like I said, the sign just was not looking good. It's like they're on the private, but it doesn't look like they're venturing onto the public much. And uh, like, well, let's give it a day or two here. But if it's not looking great, we're going to see if we can figure out a way to get over there. And how far is your and, walk uh, from camp to there? How far from where we, uh, from to that saddle where we had the encounters? Yeah. Uh, probably three quarter mile. Oh, okay. man, that's awesome. Pretty yeah. close. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yep. Yeah. And uh yeah, and then uh so that that evening we're like, well, let's there was another spot where the 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 first morning I'd heard elk bugling really close to the public land border. It was another drainage and uh I said, let's just go set up there for the evening and kind of see what happens. We'll do some cold calling and um sure as heck it, it we it was real slow i mean we were there early and we didn't see nothing but towards evening all of a sudden we had a bull start start 
I was kind of just doing that every once, every 10 minutes, I was kind of letting out a series of just three loud cow calls. And, uh, we got it, we got a bugle and, uh, and you could tell he was working our way. And, and one thing Craig, I, that I, that for our listeners to understand too, and, and help you out with cold calling is actually just that you haven't heard or seen anything, you know, right. you might, you might have an idea of some scent or the area that you're in, but generally when you cold call, you're just trying to make something happen and you think you're in an area where there is elk, but you haven't seen or you haven't heard anything. If you're hearing elk and then you're doing a calling scenario, you're actually producing, you're painting a picture, creating a, you know, trying to actually pull those animals to you. So it's a, right. it's a little different than a cold call scenario. Yeah. So that was just, yep. More of this cow calf noises, but every once in a while I'd kind of really get after it and get pretty, try to get pretty loud. Cause like I say, I, I felt we were calling to elk that mm-hmm. were at a distance. Right. And, uh, and towards evening, like I said, we had one answer and he, he took a while coming in, but he, you could tell he was coming. Um, and, and Kale was actually, I, I was going to be the shooter on this setup. Um, but I was calling what I thought was, like I said, I am probably a little better caller. So I was going to call, but I was going to shut up once we had something coming in close. And then he was going to kind of pick it up and, uh, and try to pull him past me. And, uh, it, it happened. I think everybody, when you have a setup, you kind of envision where you want an elk to come, you know, it's like, all right, oh, yeah. comes right here. It's <laughs> that would be just perfect, you know? And, uh, all of a sudden I see it antler tips coming through the brush and he's heading for that spot where i had envisioned that this is where i want this thing to come and uh i'm pulled back and he steps into my my lane at 12 yards perfectly broadside wow and he had splits on the top but no brow tine and <laughs> so oh, dude. And, yeah, yeah, was not a legal ball and I mean, it was the prettiest chip shot you could have ever asked oh. for in your life. And, 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 and you I, know, I, that, uh, that's something damn, right did there. That bull though. was bugling at you? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Dude, wow. he, had, he, had, he had splits, but he, he was no brow tines. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he was bugling. He, He's just a he weak genetic so pool, you know, and, yeah. and that's yeah. the other thing, man. A lot of times when you hear about this 10% thing about yeah. who's successful, you got to remember sometimes there's a lot of people that have got slam dunks on spikes or on, sure, on sure, a bull sure. it's a three by three or something like yeah. that that you know they've done everything right but they're not going to tag out because it's just not legal animals so yeah that yeah. crap yeah. happens man okay so, Keep going, so, man. sorry dude yeah the, the funny thing with this bull is so my buddy i i had given him i had one of them ultimate predator decoys that you guys talk about and uh this bull also went within like three yards of him and he, had that decoy. he was he was just holding that decoy in front of his face and it, it, it came right up to him and uh <laughs> there you go he he, he was uh, the bull, yeah the bull that like you said dumb as a bag of hammers this that was his yeah. bull because it was actually a little calf that had come in that we didn't even see that ended up busting us and then they both took off and there was actually i should back up there was another bull and it sounded like a much bigger bull also coming that was probably about 30 40 yards away Mm-hmm. when this all blew, blew up and of course they all i tried screaming a bugle when they all took off but then oh, the gig was up you gotta be so up. pumped this is great, great oh yeah great we're 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 fired up for sure you know uh but we in the back of our mind though we keep thinking about we think 
like, like I said, the sign was not there, but we do have all these elk on the private, but we just seen all these other elk on the other side. So that night we were sitting in the tent and I'm in my, my sleeping bag and just kind of looking like, well, how the hell would we get over there? And, uh, we, you can get there, but it, it's a long drive. And we drove, I think it, we did, we did, we hunted the next day and we didn't have much for encounters. We decided we're going to make the move because we, we seen those elk over there again. Um, and uh, it took three, so we hiked back out, had, had some more llama issues, nothing nearly as drastic as the first on the way in, but it, it was rough sledding with that young one again. More llama um, drama. Yeah, yep. Um, but, uh, we got to the truck. It took us three hours to drive probably just to get to a spot that was only a couple miles from where we were. I mean, it was, uh, just no roads. I mean, you had to go all the way around to, to get back into this area and we were driving back in there. We're seeing some hunters get close to this area and we get in there. It's, 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 I think we got in there and it was dark. Yeah. When we got there, it was dark, but, uh, Next morning I got up and we just, we, we kind of were taking her easy that morning. Um, kind of, well, for one thing we had to pack and unpack everything and, uh, we were just, yeah, I just kind of took off on a little walk just to kind of see what the country looked like. And I heard a bugle, not, I mean, literally not far from the trailhead. I heard a bugle and, but it was on private again, because we're hunting a lot of kind of private intermixed yeah. private public yeah. type stuff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> So that was good. Um, so we finally got, uh, we got everything already and we decided to head out and I would say we, we, where I heard that bugle, we set, we, we set up, we just did, I think I did a locate bugle and we got an answer right away. And this is, this was close to the trailhead. I mean, I shouldn't even call it a trailhead. It's just a dead end road, um, that goes on to private. Um, but, uh, we got a call we were kind of in a spot where like, we better figure out what we're going to do here. Cause we weren't in a good, good spot. For one thing, we we're right on the border of the public and the private. And I, I kept telling my buddy, we need to be at least a hundred yards off. I just don't feel comfortable being this close to the private. And, uh, which in that, that, like you guys said, that's probably not enough. Um, we, we actually ran down this. It was kind of a small, uh, what do you call them? Gilbert, a trinage. Yeah. So we, we quick ran, we ran down to the bottom of it. Um, just because there was really no good spots to set up. And, uh, we, uh, we, we, we started cow calling then at that point and, and, and he was interested. You could tell he was interested and uh this is late morning again and uh doing that i was just doing that loud call call and i and i don't know if we were just hitting the rut right or up but the, the, the elk were eating that up for some reason i mean it was in you know, a kind of a long whiny with a little buzz at the end and uh they just seemed like they're eating it up and uh, well, dude, this guy I was mean, common and we could so so really this is i mean you talk about emotion instead of just having a yeah you've got this one that is yeah i mean exactly out, it's, it's exactly. a plea man it's insistent you know and yes. it's showing that emotion come here to me you know but you know it's it 
it's a totally different deal. And I tell you what, uh, when Gilbert talks about me bringing a, a bull from over a half, three quarter miles away, exact cow call, man. It's, it's more of a, of, of, a uh, you know, a regathering mew, a lost cow mew, just real pleading, like, Hey, Please, here yeah. I am. Hey, yeah, yeah. here I am. And I mean, it just really sends it sometimes. It really does. That, yeah. That is exactly what how I would describe it. Yeah, it's pleading loud. I mean, it is loud. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm oh, it's obnoxiously to loud the, to, to the point of almost squealing. Is just so I don't squeal the call out. I mean, I'm trying right. to get as loud mm-hmm. as I can. And uh, and he was coming, like I say, and uh, he he kind of circled on us. He came on one hillside and came down the Trinas and came up the other side <laughs> of the Trinas. He, he actually went past us. And we didn't get a shot because he was in the brush and he came around on the top side. And he, he, they definitely seem like they want to be up, be up high and look down. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I got the impression a couple of times and uh, he, uh, he was actually closer to me. I was calling Kale was set up to shoot again and I was getting close to getting a shot. And then also whack <laughs> Kale shot. Um, and he was, I think Kale was probably 45 yards from the bull i was probably about 30 yards from the bull and uh neither of us were real positive on the hit it looked decent but we weren't real sure but the, so the bull ran off and ran up into the, some real brushy uh, real brushy area of the the hillside and uh kale kind of came sneaking over by me and we were talking i was like i didn't didn't really see exactly where your shot was i said i know you hit it but i don't know where exactly and as we're kind of whispering back and forth, all of a sudden we heard a big crash and uh, we oh, heard him go down. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, the, yeah you, you want to see two guys act like idiots. So. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, 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 man. You, yeah, you want to see some boys act like idiots. <laughs> yeah, we, we've been there. Brother. We've been there. We've so been we're, there. we're in year three, man, and we have bull yeah. down, yeah. man. We got, Third time's we a got charm. one down. Yeah. And it's within a mile of our truck, which is great. You know, even oh, though we got llamas, yeah. we got llamas, but it's it's like we, we we could get this one out without them, no problem. Yeah, knock um, it out, John. Yeah, so we wow. man, we 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 tracked them, and it, it you know we knew we we were ninety nine percent sure that was the bull going down, and we heard it, but we we still tracked them out, and we the blood trail was decent, but we could follow it, and we uh. Yeah, came up on them, and yeah, I was like, also, it was thick, and also, yeah, you're ten feet from. It. I was like, oh shit, there it is. Yep, and uh, yeah, celebrated. How big was he? And, uh, How big was it, Craig? Ah, uh, he was a five by five. Awesome, Raghorn five by five. Yep, yeah, man. yep, and uh, legal bull, yeah. Colorado. Yeah, yep, exactly, exactly. So we, uh, yeah, did made actually made pretty quick work of them. You know, we've both both of us have killed probably a, close to a hundred deer each. So we've yeah plenty of plenty of knife experience but uh we did the gutless method got them up in a tree and uh they're so big on. though you you think man well cleaned a thousand whitetails and you still look at that <laughs> rascal and go, man, yeah. start this rascal out you yeah. know because yeah. they're gigantic yeah. even the smaller yeah. ones are gigantic you know they are but you just got to jump in and yeah do it. And, yeah uh, yeah and you'll get her done yeah but yeah so that was fun and uh so yeah, is the hunt over at this tree. point? You guys giving up? You're excited? You're heading home? What's happening? Oh, no, no. We uh we got him hung in a tree because it was actually – the bull died in a great spot. It was nice and shaded, nice and cool. So we got him up in a tree, just hung him. Um, we figured we – uh 
I'm trying to remember. I think we went back to the truck because, like I said, we were close. We, we weren't far from the truck. We went back to the truck, made some lunch, and uh, headed out that evening. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much designated shooter now. Um, and uh, we were calling. We actually went back to the almost the exact same spot where, where Kale had shot his. And uh, towards evening, same thing on the private they started bugling and we started calling and we did the same thing where i would call kind of get their attention but then i'd shut up and and let kale take off from there and uh backing up kale lost his open read call oh and i shouldn't say he either he lost it or i lost it that's still still uh but if you ask um, kale you lost it he would probably say Craig, that, yeah. he lost it yeah because uh, i was rifling through our trailer when we stopped at the gas station and he he yeah it, yeah whatever it's a long story gotcha. but uh, but anyways that was the call that he was really good on uh, right. and it sounds great he sounds great on it so he is down to just using a diaphragm which is an optimal. And uh, so I, I started calling and we got elk coming and uh, they, but they were hanging up as soon as I would quit calling, they'd hang up, you know, and Kale was continuing to call, but they just, they weren't digging it um, for some reason. And they would start to leave. I literally called this, this raghorn bull back. I think four, four different times he left and came back in mm -hmm. a, and oh, that's a bull up, you're going to kill, man. If they're doing that, man. Uh, and we should, and we should have, and we should have. Um, I missed them twice. Oh, so, yeah. oh no! Oh, no. At what yardage? It was at about. I think he was right around fifty-five, sixty. He was dancing around. Every time I'd range him and pull back, he'd move. And I shot over him once, and I shot under him once. Oh, wow. um, you know, and I, and I, and this is something that that's open for to debate. Uh, is it Luis or Manano that shoots the real heavy arrows? Luis, Luis, uh, Luis. And me yeah. too now. Because um, <clears throat> I, I was shooting that super heavy arrow, and I might not do it next year because <laughs> uh, I do, I, I do feel, I do feel that bull would have been dead if I was shooting my my speedier setup that I, that I have with my other bowl. So it's, so, so there's it's a, something it's a to be give said, and take. So, so there's something to be said for exactly what you're saying, but also here's, here's an, another thought I'm going to throw out there is sometimes a clean miss is better than a bad hit. Oh yeah. So I, I would agree. Yeah. You know, so I, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of things to consider in that, but 99% right. of the time it is not the arrow. It is the yeah. Indian. Yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Man. You've got, you've, you've it's, had two shots you've missed. Yeah. You know, and, and that's something that's tough is like I said, every time I'd range the guy, he would take off again, you know, and I'd have my bow back and then like, Oh boy, he moved. I, I probably should have just let down and rearrange or try attempted to rearrange. But you know, at that point too, you're worried about getting busted. Um, so yeah, he got out of there. We did not get him. Um, and that's kind of how that evening ended. Um, so yeah, I kind of had my tail between my legs that night. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but it was, but yeah, exciting it was, it was as exciting. heck. I mean, super, super yeah. exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so that that night at camp too, we talked about the calling. You know, like I said, when I was when I quit calling, the elk just because there was other elk too. There was actually two bulls that night. Um, 
and also some calls and it seemed like when i would quit calling and they would just lose interest and and uh -huh. and he was maybe set up too far back where they couldn't hear him very good i don't know um but because i was even having a hard time hearing him oh yeah uh, it was just so so quiet but so we talked about that night i had the old hoochie mama in the pack and i, I was like you know what tomorrow you use your use your diaphragm and i threw my hoochie mama and he played around with that and was like Hoochie Mom sounds good. I mean, it, it sounds like an elf. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it does. You add it in yeah. with something else, you know? man. It gives a, a Ex exactly. Different... Yeah. yeah. So that was our game plan. He was going to mix that in too to help hopefully get a little more volume and stuff. And we take off that morning, and uh, we 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 went past where we shot <clears throat> Kale's bull and where I had the encounter the night before, and we kept going because we weren't hearing nothing. Uh, we had we were letting out a few locate bugles and. Uh, weren't hearing nothing kept going we were probably two two miles back in and we got an answer um and we kind of slid out where we could see and we we could we glassed them up the ones that answered us they're a long way away and they were on the far side of this drainage and uh there's a bunch of them and I'm, I'm thinking it was the same group of elk that we had glassed from the other side of the private uh because mm -hmm. it was about the same size herd and uh so we're like all right the, the the thermals were going down we got to get all the way through this drainage and up the other side because they're they're going away from us at this point so we gotta we gotta truck it and uh we start bombing down this hillside and uh we get about halfway down and all of a sudden i see antlers in the brush oh wow. and and we, we're cruising and the bad thing is is our thermals are going right at them and i'm in that we should have just uh probably just sit, stopped and just seen what happened but i thought we could i tried to tell kale to go back 10 15 yards to start calling and uh when he stopped or started going back a cow that i hadn't seen busted us and the mm -hmm. whole whole works yeah. went and i tried cow calling but it they were i yeah. think they smelled us because mm -hmm. the thermals were going at them but and that was a nice six point so that was disappointing, but, uh, my biggest worry was they were going to take that other herd with them and be gone, but they didn't seem to affect that other herd. Cause we slipped back out and glassed them again and like, Nope, they're still there. And they don't seem like they're spooked at all. So what we were back to our original plan, um, of attempting and I'll, to give chase you, I'll give you a tip on that too, Craig, as well as if you end up with a bull that does run towards another group like that. Um, it's, it's, you got to be careful when you do it, but you can, and depending on distance, it's all about proximity, but sometimes you can sound like a bull that, you know, give off some growls or some noises and a little chuckle or something like that. Yeah. So it's not too threatening, but so that other elk think that it was another bull that pushed him off. That chased him off. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I can't, I don't think I did do that. Mm -hmm. um, there were, there were a bunch of cows with them too. Um, and they, they were the ones that were actually the most spooked were the cows. Um, and they, they, luckily they did, they did go a different direction from where that big herd was. And, uh, but I figured the big herd was going to see him going across the hillside, but they didn't. Um, so we, we, we were trucking it because we, we could tell these elk were going to go up and over this next, uh, and out of this drainage. And so we're flying down this hillside and, uh, the plan was kale stayed on actually on the far side and and i was going to try to get up and continue chasing him up the hill and uh we I, I finally got to where i could hear them yet they were 
within earshot for sure and probably three four hundred yards away and i started ripping that that loud cow call again and all of a sudden i heard a bull bugle back and he was definitely answering me and uh so i kind of kept after it a little bit here and there and you could tell he was starting to calm he left you could tell he left the herd and he was coming back and i'm and i'm thinking it, it was a satellite bull and uh mm-hmm. he thought Absolutely. there was a cow, cow, cow left behind and he thought he was gonna yeah. have a chance lower hanging fruit bro lower yeah hanging fruit. yeah <laughs> yeah and uh and I called and all of a sudden I, I, I could see him. And when I kind of, when I could see him, that's when I shut up and let Kale start calling. And, and he started, you know, hitting that hoochie mama and calling and he was coming and he was coming quick. And, uh, I had a piece of sagebrush in front of me and I kind of got down low, pulled back. I mean, and I, he got within what I thought within 30 yards and I just kind of slowly started raising up behind this, uh, this sagebrush. And, uh, I guessed him at, at about 20 yards. I didn't know 20, 25, I thought. And, uh, so I held just a tinge high and, uh, pulled the trigger and smacked them frontal, uh, just dead center. And, uh, instantly i mean it was the blood was coming i mean it was instant instantaneous and and he took off running and it looked like a like a hole was coming out of him oh man um, How yeah, was that shot? yeah it turned out it was only about 17 yards it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> a good thing you hit him high that's good. Yeah, I, I hit him high, but I hit him dead center. That's and, right where you want yep, him. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, man. And, yeah, and he he went, he did go a fair distance, but it was probably the easiest track track job I've ever had in my life. Like I said, it was like somebody had a garden always. Yeah, Ray Charles and, could have followed that blood trail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh you, you're still nervous. So I, I oh, was, yeah. I was oh, yeah. so nervous and, and my my I didn't see him <laughs> go down. I didn't hear the crash and my buddy's like I was watching, I could see the blood with my binoculars and I was a thousand miles away, or a thousand yards away. He goes, he's dead. And I'm like, I think he is too, but I'm still nervous, you know? And I, yeah. I said, let's just take, take her time and track. And, and I was glassing in front of us and uh, yeah. And I seen him laying there. And That's yeah. oh, that is so daggone so cool, awesome. Bro. So we're yeah. talking third year elk hunting two for two in six days, Colorado OTC public land, man. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You gotta be just like <laughs> swelling up. I mean, we're like, Whoa. Oh. The, 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 the biggest thing that for me was, is we've worked so hard, you know, the, 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 the first year yeah. and, and even leading up to this. And then when it happened, it was so easy. I mean, I, I should say it was easy. I don't yeah, want to say yeah. it was easy. No, it sounded like it's too easy when them com- llamas were busting com- your ass. Compared, off <laughs> well, yeah, the work so the work was just just starting, right? yeah. but uh, it it did, but it did. It happened. I mean, I looked at what we had put ourselves through the other years, and this when it it, it happened, it came so easy for us, yeah. you know, and so, and uh, so it can happen that way. 
So here's what I want to do, man, because we're 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 at our we're about at that two hour mark. So, <laughs> what, but hey, I, that's cool, man. Look, I love man, the daggum story, man. So this is just awesome for everybody. But with what I wanted to ask you is, you know, when people listen to this, two for two and six days on your third day after all of going, you know, stuff. But if you if you listen to the progress, you had one year and eh, much wasn't happening. Second year, oh, we're starting to find this a little bit. Third yeah. year we're starting to really find our groove. In fact, it seemed a little easy once it happened. Right. So I know right. a lot of people are listening, like how in the heck does that happen? So if you could, if you could say what the biggest three game changers were for you, what would they be? Oh, you know, knowledge of the area to me was huge. Um, just, you know, w- once we found an area, we knew, Held out. Yeah, you knowing that area is huge. I mean, I if you can hunt the same area and you have elk, I I I'd keep going to that area. But you gotta have elk. If you don't have decent numbers of elk, or then then I think you gotta move. Um, but uh and, and be willing to move. And that's a big one. Um the calling is huge. I mean, calling is absolutely is huge. I mean, and I spent I spent a lot of time practicing. I mean, I do, I'm dedicated when I, when I do something, I'm going to try to do it right. Um, you know, and I, and I think, think I'm pretty decent. I, I'm sure nothing like you guys, but, but I, it, it, it got the job done. There, um, there you go right there. And that's yeah, the man. thing people yeah. got, you do not have to be a world champion. You don't have to be the so, best. If you understand what you're doing, put it in the right situation of where it works and matches the situation, you can be highly successful because you are creating the opportunities. You're not waiting for right. the opportunities to happen for you. Yeah. you. yeah. I mean, imagine this, you got those animals down there on private, you could have sat up there for how many days listening to them screaming down there, but you created a situation because you brought them to you. Yeah. You know, you weren't waiting right. for them to come to you. You brought them to you. Yeah. yeah and you, you know, know, and that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, I think honestly what we were doing is getting to within earshot of a herd of elk and calling the satellite bulls off the. Off Absolutely. The, That's one of yes. them. You know, <laughs> and, and so and I mean, what I you think, should be doing. <laughs> that that's what what guys and, you know and for us the cow sounds i mean that that was it was deadly yes, i mean it was yes, we called in eight bulls in in uh yeah five six days it was yes, on well you know that bull so, you busted going down that bull had, yep. if you had been calling above at all that bull was coming to you you just didn't know it probably yeah, probably he, he just yeah. probably was silent and he hadn't said anything well, he had some cows yeah. with him for sure so he was probably coming the whole time, you know. He might have been. Um, we had made bull noises. So we were lo- we located bugle bugle uh, uh-huh. up on top. So I don't uh-huh. know if he was co- possibly he was well, coming that, for that. If he had cows, he might have. Yeah, but even a location bugle up there is not an aggressive act, man. It's a past right. thing. It's just right. here I am. And then now, okay, yep. listen to this. You had a location bugle, and now you got a cow running around going, "Hey, where are yeah. you? Yeah. Hey, right. where are yeah. you?" Yeah. Somebody right. come in another bull's like not hearing another bull sound after that, yeah. hearing that yeah. cow doing that. Yeah. Again, you become very, very yeah. favorable, low hanging fruit that way. Right. It's almost a slow play scenario you set up without even knowing you did it. Yeah. Right. And we yeah. didn't want to because the thermals were completely wrong. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. so cool, brother. We we yeah. can't uh 
can't thank you enough for sharing your story here, bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. No, it was fun. You and Kale and sound the, the, like sound like y'all y'all uh, yin and yang pretty good, man. Sound like y'all are two really good uh, part, well, hunting partners. We're, we we butt heads once in a while. We uh, all brothers we're both, do. We're we're uh, we're both stubborn Germans, so uh, we uh, we we clash it up once in a while, but we do all right. All right. <laughs> oh, there, there we go, guys. Oh, there we go, man. <laughs> there they are. Two that for is two. So cool, man. That's Look a two those, for yeah. right there. Beautiful awesome. bulls, man. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, man. nice bulls. Yeah, thanks, Awesome guys. job. Yeah, that's, that's just awesome. <laughs> we we got to show yeah. we got we got to show the workers too, man. Yeah. Oh there yeah. Check them out, dude. <laughs> Look at yeah, that. Too. Them rascals. So there's the one right behind you there, the young one. No, he's on the trailer. Oh, he's, he's, he's on the trailer. <laughs> Y'all retired his ass, huh? Yeah, he he drug his ass home. Yeah, he was banished to the trailer after that. Uh, <laughs> we uh, ate on him for six days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, and I'm going to ask you, Craig, as we're we're getting ready to close this puppy out, and if there was one thing that or one message that you would like to leave to listeners out there. I mean, cause you know what it's like to be on the other side of this listening in. Yeah. And if there was one message that you could give to them um, and those guys that are thinking about doing this, what would it be? You know, if you're going to do something, do it and, and, and dive in and do it right. I mean, that, I mean, that's not just for hunting. That's just, just life in general. I mean, I've kind of always been that way mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm if you put your mind to it, you can do it. I mean, it's, it's nothing that the average guy can't do. I mean, uh, yeah, just put your mind to it and dig in and, and, and learn some things. I mean, we're, we're, we're get, it's a gift to have guys like you guys that are willing to spill your guts and give up all your information. I mean, uh, man, I, I can't imagine trying to do this without the resources guys have today. It would take literally, <laughs> half a lifetime to figure some of this stuff out yeah. and we're, we're lucky nowadays i mean i can't imagine being like 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 chav and you guys that that, that had to start doing it without the the info we got uh it, it had to be uh it had to be tough in the beginning it was all boots on the <laughs> yeah. ground man you know yeah those guys covering lots of country and boots on the ground and you know trial just, by fire yeah mm-hmm. baptism by yeah. a fire hose making yeah. it happen all right craig yeah. i want to thank you man i want to thank you a ton bud for no it's been cool yeah, awesome thanks. yeah it's fun, to, fun to relive everything that's for sure oh yeah awesome <laughs> yeah. that's a way cool story, have you eaten any of that elk meat yet oh my gosh yeah that's that amazing that, 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 uh, yeah the, i brought it home with me and the kids processed it my my three daughters were out grinding sausage and chopping roasts and back straps and Nothing oh yeah, we, better, buddy. Three, four times a week. Yeah, three, four times us a week. Too, brother, yeah, yeah. yeah. Way, way awesome, man. What an awesome story. What an awesome show. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I can't wait to hear what the future brings you as well, bud. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'm planning excited. to go back next year. Oh heck yeah! That's awesome, brother. Yeah. Well, unless we, I drive a New Mexico tag. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no elk in New Mexico, but we nah, can't. I've heard that. No, no, stay out. <laughs> All right, stay across go. that northern border. Yeah, keep in touch. 
Yeah. Mr. Uh, Klein, we can't thank you enough, brother. And congratulations on an awesome 2021 elk hunt. You and Mr. Kale, uh, we're so proud for you guys. We appreciate uh, you guys, um, you know, tuning into the show and supporting us as well. Uh, sounds like it, you know, you don't miss an episode and we appreciate that. Um, guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder to our listeners, if you'd like your question answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husband Husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace, everybody. And you know what's coming next. <laughs> Music from who, Craig? T-Dub. <laughs> Tony Wintrip, buddy. Tony Wintrip. Yeah, Tony yeah. Wintrip. Right. Good night, Take everybody. Take us home, Tony. Peace. I'll make my living working east of town. Late nights in the summer Till the sun goes down I can't stop thinking about how my life's changed But I'm still the same as I was young I peeled them bark trees one by one Made a couple of dollars Filled my gas tank once And I left my high school barely made it by but I found my way back Oh, how time flies Living Northwest wild Hunting, fishing is my kind of style I float the wine new chi when it gets hot I'm proud of all the things that I've got I'm digging the moss bags up in the sand And afterwards Beer in my hand, picking wild berries off God's land, and drinking my buddy's homemade wine. Living Northwest wild. This place has changed and it ain't for the good. There's a bunch of new faces in my old neighborhood And the logging market goes up and down There used to be a little export in this booming town I fill my freezer from the river and the woods Kick it back with my old man Yeah, my life is good Living Northwest wild Fishing is my kind of style. I float the wine new chi when it gets hot. And I'm proud of all the things that I've got. I'm digging the moss bags up in the sand. And after work, a cold beer in my hand. Picking wild berries off God's land. And drinking my buddy's home.
Now I'm watching my line all the time 